this hour by Frederick Remington fully cooked ready to eat bacon. Exclusive no refrigeration 10 year extended shelf life bacon. The thickest media center cut bacon in the industry at fullycookedbacon.com. standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. I think last week's episode of the Paracast with Greg Bishop is going to serve as a suitable introduction to this week's episode, where we feature the return of Robbie Graham, and he is here in the capacity of an editor of a new book that we were talking about a little bit last week. It's called UFOs Reframing the Debate. And it's a series of essays by a group of people, many of whom you've heard on the show. And one of those is joining us. And that is Robert Branstetter. Welcome. Thank you for having me again. Now, Robert Branstetter wrote an essay entitled Discovering Our Humanity in the Alien Other. And I'm going to ask him about that. There are also essays from Ryan Sprague and Red Pill Junkie. By the way, Red Pill was invited to join us too, but his work schedule is preventing that. Kurt Collins, of course, Joshua Cutchin, Micah Hanks, Jack Brewer, Mike Cleland, Chris Witkowski, with an introduction from Robbie Graham. And we'll get the background of this book and what's meant to be. And I think it may be fitting before we look at reframing the debate about changing the rules or something we should look at examples of what UFO research is now. All right? So here's an example of what UFO research is now. A few days ago, I got this book from Donald Schmidt, Cover Up at Roswell, Exposing the 70-Year Conspiracy to Suppress the Truth. So maybe other than the 70 years, I've gone back through time. 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. That's an example. We've had all this stuff going on at MUFON when... One of their state directors and someone who was a co-host of the Hangar One TV show was posting on his Facebook blog racially offensive comments that badly reflected on the organization. It seemed to take an awful long time for MUFON's executive director, Jan Harzan, to get rid of him. And then we found out why, and this is interesting. You see, there's a listing at MUFON of so-called lifetime members, people who have given more than $5,000 to the organization. And this guy who made the racially insensitive comments was one of those people. So maybe it's the money. What do you think, Chris? I'm not going to assume anything, Gene, but money does speak very loudly in a uh, a 501c3 organization that's constantly looking for uh, operating capital and money to legitimize their their administrative process. So, yeah, that's that's a good guess. I think that obviously had something to do with it. But uh, regardless of that, it, 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 he should have been dealt with very severely from the get-go. There really is no room in an organization for his type of, uh, I, let's put it this way, uh, type of behavior that's been popularized because of the election of our <laughs> recent uh, U.S. president. 
Right, but that shouldn't have anything to do with it. If he has opinions like that, keep it to yourself. Keep it to your circle of friends. I'm not against freedom of speech. But when you're speaking for an organization, you're trying to get people interested in chasing after UFOs, and you have to do this. But what is worse is this blog I read from Kevin D. Randall, his different perspective, where he mentioned that Jan Harzan of MUFON was calling some of the people who were offended by this gentleman, he's calling them haters. So, of course, Nick Redfern will now have nothing whatever to do with MUFON. And certainly we see that Kevin Randall won't either. And that's what's happened. You know, they just simply have made a mess of the situation. This could have been quietly dealt with in five minutes. And that would be, apologize now, and maybe we'll keep you on or just get out of here. But all this nonsense they allow to happen... And this is UFO research in the 21st century, the premier UFO organization in America. Robbie Graham, do you have anything like that going on in the UK? Well, uh, the UK UFO scene is is um, a fraction of the size of the American uh, North American UFO scene. We don't really have an organized community over here anymore. There, there were bigger organizations um, that had considerable influence back in the, well, prior to the year 2000, I guess. And I think it was really the internet over here as it, as it was uh, over there and everywhere that saw the dissolution of um, physical meetups and everything started to go online and everything started to become, I guess, probably even more speculative and hokum-based because anything goes on the internet. But the problems with, with ufology um, organizationally, methodologically, they go back to the very dawn of the modern UFO era. And so it's, it's always been beset by huge, um, huge obstacles and self-made obstacles, I would say. I mean, well, a lot of them are anyway. Obviously, there's the obstacle of the phenomenon itself, um, <laughs> which defies organized investigation, uh, investigational attempts. But the field itself is, has always been a mess. Now, in the UK, yeah, I mean, there really aren't many big conferences. You know, there's probably only about three or four conferences a year nationwide in the UK. And the biggest of those today really only draws a maximum of, of a few hundred attendees um, over the course of several days. So it's, 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 it's a far smaller affair over here. And I try to stay out of the UK UFO community, to be honest with you. Most of my dealings, or all of my dealings, to be honest, are with American um, and Canadian and international uh, researchers and writers. I have very little to do with the UK scene. And I think a sad state of affairs with the UK scene uh, recently has been that it's been defined, I guess, by the Rendlesham Forest uh, case. And that case itself, is, as fascinating as it is, is, has come to be defined by vicious um, infighting between the opposing camps of researchers that have investigated that case going back to the 1980s. And so it's, it's so unattractive now that I just want nothing to do with it. Now, I would just mention that quickly. We have a section in our forums, the Paracast Forum, about it. Of course, we know at one point there was a book called Left at Eastgate with Peter Robbins and Larry Warren, the latter being one of the witnesses to Rendlesham, and they've since had a falling out. You know, mm-hmm. so even within the factions, they can't get it together. I mean, that's what that's what that case has always been has always been a divisive one. But yeah, it, it's you know this book is coming out at a time 
as you say, where you've had this major controversy with MUFON. It's coming not too far on the back of the Roswell Slides controversy, which was last year, but which was still a huge, huge blow to, to serious UFO research. Um, to my mind, was was pretty much the, 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 the nail in the coffin for for um, serious ufological research. And, and that's explored in the book, as we'll get on to. You know, and, and so now you've had the, the complete collapse of this case with the total separation of the two uh, of the two main names associated with it, uh, Peter Robbins and Larry Warren, who of course wrote the the book on the subject, I guess, um, left at Eastgate, as you mentioned, and now you've had Peter Robbins officially separating himself um, from from Larry Warren and saying that he, you know, sort of admitting that he was misled, and that you know a lot of what Larry Warren has said, the core of his story, is actually um, simply not true. And so, what are we left with? Well, we're left with a huge mess. <laughs> so, and is anyone? Well, well, be, is, well, what are we left with? Is Peter Robbins stepping up and saying, "Hey, I'm now aware of something that's uh, downwind to Denmark about all this, and um, I'm going to be the first one to to uh, get ahead of this and fess up that this Larry Warren guy is not what he made himself out to be." I have some serious problems with his testimony, and I think it took a tremendous amount of courage on the part of Peter to do that. So, you know, in terms of ufology policing itself, you know, I I can come up with a bunch of examples of of investigators that have have come forward and said, hey, you know, mea culpa, I, I got taken in. The problem that I have, Robbie, is not the ones that that get taken in and and at least admit that they're wrong. It's the ones that are uh, continue to go on and champion cases that they know are hoaxes. Let's um, do our break here, guys, and then we have a lot more to come with Gene and Chris, Robbie Graham, Robert Branstetter. The book is called UFOs Reframing the Debate, and you'll see why we're leading to that, where we look at what's going on, what's wrong, and why we have to fix things. With Gene and Chris, you're in. The Paracast. We also have swag. You know, we have all these exclusive Paracast things that you can buy. We've got like, I guess, 60 or so different items and entails T-shirts, sleeves for notebook computers, iPad cases, mouse pads, the Paracast Jumbo tote bag, all sorts of T-shirts and jackets and stuff like that for men and women. We have a Paracast aluminum water bottle. All this stuff, you go to store.theparacast.com, store.theparacast.com. What makes it special is that the items are the best quality, you know, great T-shirts, fabrics, and they have our official logo on them. That's what makes them special in multiple sizes and colors. We even have stuff for children, stuff for women, stuff for men. We have all sorts of sizes, like small up to X large. A lot of good stuff. That's the swag from the Paracast. You go to store.theparacast.com, stop by, and take a shopping tour. Have you ever thought you'd like to flip houses but didn't know how or where to get the money? Are you ready to be your own boss so you can start living the good life? Hi, I'm Preston Neely. I used to be so broke. I had my electricity turned off nine times, but I figured out a way to quit my job and find financial freedom in real estate. For a limited time, I want to send you a free copy of my smash hit selling book, How to Get Rich in Real Estate. It shows you how to copy exactly what I did so you can make money from the comfort of your own home without even doing any manual labor. I've already given away 5,000 books and they're going fast. To get one before they're gone, call 1-800-958-958. 
888-646-6936. Listen, if you're sick and tired of stressing about money, this book could change your life. It's short, fun to read, easy to understand, and awesome. To find out how to get your free book while supplies last, call 1-800-958-6936. Call 1-800-958-6936. 1-800-958-6936. It's a no-brainer. A Big Berkey water filter is the one you need, period. You need a water filter that removes chlorine, fluoride, pharmaceuticals, BPA, and other endocrine disruptors, pesticides, bacteria, viruses, and much more, right? And does it all at only two cents per gallon. Get the original most trusted name in gravity water filtration, Big Berkey. And now GCN listeners receive 5% off ceramic filter systems using code GCN. Call or click 1-877-99-BERKEY or BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. That's 1-877-99-BERKEY. Yesterday, I got a call from the IRS. They say I owe them over $16,000. I don't have that kind of money. Don't try to fight the IRS on your own. Use Coast One Financial Group and let them help you get a fresh start. If you owe at least $10,000 in back taxes, call now for a free and confidential tax debt analysis. Call Coast One now for a free consultation at 800-643-4661 now. 800-643-4661. That's 800-643-4661. Homeowners have much more to worry about than just making their mortgage payment. Can you afford to repair or replace your air conditioning when it stops working this summer? Or worse, a major plumbing problem? With National Home, you can say goodbye to repair bills. If you own a home, you could stop paying for these costly repairs. Best of all, call now to get one month of repair coverage for free. Get total protection for your home's major appliances and systems so you have no more costly repair bills. Call 800-887-3022. That's 800-887-3022. 800-887-3022. Hunters, anglers, campers, and survivalists. Get back to nature. Expand your horizons with the highest quality, most versatile, unique slingshots and slingbows on the market at slingbow.com. Slingbow products are compact and models start from just $17.98. They're perfect for your bug out bag or storing in your vehicle. Give yourself and your loved ones the excitement and tradition of Slingbow, a new frontier in archery and truly modern twist on this primitive survival tool. Feel the thrill only at slingbow.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. So let's continue, folks. This is a point that Chris was bringing up, and that is after the case is exposed or after the facts no longer confirm something. And we're talking about MJ-12 documents, for example, with Roswell. And we have people who have spent years touting this evidence. And suddenly it falls apart. Has Stanton Friedman ever said MJ-12 is a fake? No. He keeps doing it. And Stan has done some good work. But that's a problem. Once people get into a situation where they latch on to something, in this field, they never, ever let it go. Who wants to well, say something? Well, it becomes part of their identity when you, when you become so associated with a particular case. Um, and, and, uh, and what you were saying there, Chris, I completely agree. I have huge respect for Peter Robbins' um, 
standing up and saying, you know, you know, I, I was duped, and he's he's been explicit about that, and that that has taken a huge amount of courage. I can't think that many other people in his position would do the same, not in this field. So very few. That, in that in is fact, you mentioned the Roswell slides. Both Donald Schmidt and and uh, Tom Carey have made lukewarm sort of. You know, well, maybe we were wrong and this and that. And then, you know, a week or two later, Don Schmidt's talking about the whole thing as if it was never debunked um, at, a you know, the next UFO conference he spoke at. So there are uh, exceptions. Linda Howe, uh, I could uh, give you several examples of cases that were proven to be false that she went on, in some cases for years, continuing to tout. You know, what is more important here? And, and this is part of reframing the debate, uh, going to the title of, of your compilation book. What's more important here? Fantasy, science fiction, convenient stories that, that ring true in our, our uh, new age sort of uh, intuitional selves, or hard facts, you know, stuff that you can actually uh, uh, maybe write a scientific paper about. I, I think that there's a real separation between hardcore, hard scientific ufology, which you you're mentioned earlier that you don't think that there is such a thing, and all, all the other stuff, all the confabulation, the, the myth-making, the, uh, the high crimes and misdemeanors, as far as I'm concerned, uh, in, in, in creative storytelling. That part of ufology is dominating right now, but that doesn't, that doesn't bring into... I, I think that doesn't bring us to a close. I think there's still is a tremendous opportunity for hard-boiled researchers and investigators to continue on investigating the phenomenon as it should be. I'm off my soapbox. (laughs) (laughs) Robert, how about jumping in here? You've been involved in a lot of the forum by play at the Paracast forums as burnt states, so certainly you have participated in these wars of debate. What are your observations? Yeah, and I think that the you know, the primary discussion piece uh, that we're having here is this notion of UFO mythology. And, and Lauren Cutts hits that in his essay, Almost Everything You Think You Know About Flying Saucers is Wrong. And he really identifies, you know, some of the major gaps that take place in the notion of, you know, a witnessed event that might be a very profound and fascinating human experience uh, versus what turns into belief systems around that. And really, the majority of what ufology is, is uh, a bunch of belief systems and storytelling and myths that are built up around cases that eventually people say may occur. And even if they do, we know that the picture of the Indian boy as a mummified uh, remains as Roswell alien will still exist on, on the internet. And, and anytime anybody says, oh, I was wrong, it doesn't make a difference. It will still exist because there's nothing really that truly does support a concept of ufology as a true existing field of study. And, and Robbie's made note of that a number of times. And uh, MJ Benias in his essay talks about that as well, too, that there is no great center, that, that there's no rules, there's nothing that governs it. And as a consequence, it hasn't gotten anywhere uh, because of that. Any attempts of science have been small to, uh, next to minimal and not consistent and haven't continued. So that, that notion of, of what we believe in terms of what a UFO is, is just mired in absolute chaos and in mm. consumer pop culture. Yeah. And I, that's why I've, I've front loaded the book with pieces on religion. Um, first of all, Diana Pasolka's forward for the book is, is, is looking at the parallels with, with organized religion and religious belief. Because, and also then you've got Chris Rutkowski's 
opening essay, which is also looking at that as well. And it's because the, the religious aspects of UFO belief are undeniable. Ufology is a New Age religion. And, and I'd say that, you know, with this in mind, people should take caution because powerful belief in anything can be exploited, whether it's by sinister government forces or by charlatans and commercial opportunists. And the UFO subculture as it exists today, which I would argue is actually inseparable from so-called legitimate ufology, is built far less on facts and verifiable evidence than it is on blind belief. And a subject such as UFOs has inherent divine implication, uh, something that's bigger than us, uh, something that offers salvation. And this is powerfully magnetic for a believer mindset. You mentioned Robert Lauren Cutts there, and he talks about the UFO mythological zone. He talks about that as the gap between fact and belief between what we see and what we want to see, what we experience and how we interpret it. He says, people are forming highly personalized variations of the one core belief, the belief in a UFO reality, and then all else is simply up for individual interpretation via this UFO mythological zone. He says, in the absence of facts, many people simply choose what they want to believe. And that really sums up the UFO scene, I would say, and, and that's how it's been for, for decades. And if I could just add and finish up on, on Lauren there, because he, he does offer, you know, ways of, of rethinking this, and, mm. and, and he, he calls it UFO Social Engineering 101, and he identifies, you know, that what are the major components of ufology? There's the idea of deception, and he points to whatever the UFO is, but that the subject seems to cover itself up. It's very slippery. It's hard to get our, our hands on it, and there's a mythology that's created by design inside of such a space. And then he says there's the delusion, which is us, and the whole UFO mythological zone, and the notion of without having any scientific proof or evidence, we make things up ourselves and build our own mythology around it. And then there's the government and disinformation and its control of the narrative. And, and ultimately, I think he addresses that whoever controls the narrative is going to determine what we're going to know about it. And a lot of the narrative has been about hailing the ETH and making a definitive answer to, to what it is, hence the disclosure movement, which is its own kind of disastrous component of ufology. What he arrives at at the end is, well, let's stop trying to fit it into that box. And, and a number of the writers say that over and over and over again inside this book. Stop trying to fit it into any kind of preconceived box, whether it's ETH or aliens from outer space. Let's just try to pursue some better understanding around it. And, and a number of them speak to that in, in a great way and point out a lot of different alternatives for how we could go about investigating the phenomenon. It's a critical book, but it's constructive. You know, each essay tries to offer remedies and solutions for the problems that they highlight. That's the crucial thing here. It's not just a pile on beating up ufology. There is, there is that element of it because we, we need that in a sense. You need a good hard slap in the face sometimes to get to snap you out of, uh, of the days that you're in uh, to recognize that there are problems. And then once you recognize that there are problems, then you can, you can start to offer solutions, which is what we do throughout the book. One thing that strikes me here, and I've made this argument a lot of times in my own articles, and that is that the framework of the current UFO field was fashioned in the 1950s, with Major Keogh especially, because he talked about UFOs being spaceships, about a silence group, about the need for disclosure. Maybe he didn't use mm -hmm. that term. We've got Gene and Chris and Robert and Robbie. You're in the Paracast. <laughs> <laughs> are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. 
Hi, this is Ted Anderson. I'm here to tell you about GCNTelecare.com, a team of board-certified doctors assisting you 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year. Within 15 minutes of registration, care your family can afford. Revolutionizing the healthcare industry, virtual consulting, providing diagnosis of non-emergency medical issues by phone or secure video on computer or smart mobile devices. GCNTelecare.com, virtual care anywhere. This is Dan Pilla. Do you owe the IRS money you can't pay? Are tax debts crippling you? I've defended people from the IRS for over 30 years. I've helped thousands and I can help you too. I wrote the book on IRS settlement and I'm telling you, there's no such thing as a hopeless case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX to finally get free of IRS debt. With the IRS's new programs, there's never been a better time to solve your problem. Call 800-34-NO-TAX. That's 800-34-NO-TAX or my website, danpilla.com. Attention business owners and independent contractors. This is a money-saving message from Tax Mediation Services. If your business owes $20,000 or more in taxes, we can help you today, right now. Listen, dealing with the IRS is no picnic. It's an intimidating and extremely stressful process, and you don't want to go it alone. Our attorneys know every law, every tax break, and every possible opportunity to help you resolve and reduce your tax debt. And if you owe more than $20,000, you may be at the top of their hit list. So don't take your tax debt lightly because it will not go away on its own. The IRS can seize your bank accounts, your home, and even shut down your business. Call our tax experts today at 1-800-765-9681 and let us deal with the IRS while you focus on your business. That's 1-800-765-9681. Again, that's 800-765-9681. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow, and like all of you out there, I had problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat, I would flip-flop all night long, I would wake up with a sore neck, maybe a headache, or feel like I needed a nap even though I slept eight hours. When I invented my pillow, I wanted it to where you could move the patented fill to give you the exact support you need as an individual, regardless of sleep position. My pillow will get you into that deep REM sleep faster and you will stay there longer. It's not about how much time we spend in bed, it's about how much of that quality sleep we get. I do all of my own manufacturing right here in the United States. I have a 10-year warranty. You can wash and dry my pillow, and I give you a 60-day money-back guarantee so you have nothing to lose. And here's my best offer ever. You can buy one of my pillows and get one absolutely free. Go to MyPillow.com or call 800-870-0305 and use promo code GCN. That's MyPillow.com or 800-870-0305 with promo code GCN. Have you racked up more than $10,000 in credit card debt? Are you barely getting by, making minimum payments? You should know. The credit card companies are tricking you into thinking there's no way out. Credit card companies would rather you didn't know that there are ways you can become debt-free and you don't have to pay the entire amount you owe. There are debt relief programs that help people like you escape overwhelming credit card debt. National Debt Relief has helped tens of thousands of people just like you reduce more than $500 million of debt. National Debt Relief has helped so many people, they're A-plus rated by the Better Business Bureau. You don't have to declare bankruptcy or take out a consolidation loan. You have the right 
wait to settle your debt for a mere fraction of what you owe. Reduce a large portion of your debt now. Call National Debt Relief at 800-314-7417. 800-314-7417. That's 800-314-7417. This is Jacques Vallée, and you're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Oh, that's great. What is great also is the fact that we've got a second radio show called After the Paracast, And sometimes it's an extension of this show. So last week, for example, we had Greg Bishop, and then he returned for After the Paracast for further comments. And we have sometimes just sitting here and watching the wheels go by, and sometimes it's color commentary. We never know it's unpredictable, and the best way to listen to it And the only way is to subscribe to the Paracast Plus at plus.theparacast.com. That's P-L-U-S dot theparacast.com. You also get a commercial-free version of this show. How about that? And other benefits for five-year and lifetime subscriptions, we've got free books, physical print books to give away and other goodies. Go to plus.theparacast.com. Once again, that's plus.theparacast.com. Now, as our listeners know, I go back a long, long way. And I remember how the framework, as I said, of the UFO field was fashioned by people like Major Kehoe in the 50s. And we all got stuck in a rut. And unfortunately, those of us who have tried to break out of it have not succeeded. So guys, and any one of you want to make the comment here, do we take what was there, what has existed for over 60 years closing on 70 years maybe, and throw it all away? Pretend it doesn't exist? No, I don't think any of us is rejecting wholesale everything that's gone before, not by, not by any means. And also it's worth pointing out that this is a very eclectic volume. The, the contributors differ quite significantly in their, in their perspectives on all of this. Um, and I've structured it in such a way that, that some of the essays um, in the first half of the book clash very directly and harshly in the, in the viewpoints but no i don't think it's about rejecting what's gone what's gone before i think it's about looking into the past seeing what what is useful but also looking 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 at how we can how we can move forward but also the, the point is is that is that as we've talked about before ufology is is a is a belief system and that's it's always going to be that regardless of how much science we inject into it, it will always be attractive to a believer mindset because of the implications of the subject. But, you know, ufology is, as I said, it's a new age religion. And if if, if, if it's a new age religion, then disclosure, you mentioned that term before, Gene, which is something that, that uh, Kehoe talked about, if not directly, then he was, he was certainly very obsessed with the, the notion of a cover-up and, and, uh, and bringing the secrets out into the open. Uh, disclosure... Uh, has become the holy grail of ufology. And ufology, I guess, to a large extent, has become what's known as exopolitics, which is this movement that's born of the internet and based on the assumption that, that um, you know, extraterrestrials are visiting us, that they are here now, that they are in constant communication and, and uh, treaties with, with the US government and other governments of the world, that there's back engineering of technologies, that et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And that, that's, 
very sexy, and that has a lot of appeal to people who who don't, frankly, um, have an awful lot of uh, who who don't enjoy critical thinking too much. I mean, that's not to say that there's not. There may be some truth. To, there may be some truth to that scenario. I don't. I don't reject it wholesale, but but it, but I think what we're suggesting is is that the, the phenomenon, uh, if you know, and some of the people in the book would would argue that there's no proof that there is that there even is a phenomenon. Uh, I would say that most of the contributors would agree that there is something anomalous underlying the UFO phenomenon. Um, but but we don't have any proof that it's extraterrestrial, as appealing as that hypothesis may be um and it does have some surface logic to it but it's 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 far from proven it is just that it's it's a hypothesis there are other avenues to explore and a lot of the ideas that are explored in this book are not necessarily new but they are sidelined forgotten um unpopular um hard to get your head around because some of them are quite abstract um so some of these ideas have been offered before by some um renowned thinkers but they've been pushed aside, pushed out of popular debate in favor of a more sexy, simplistic narrative. And so what we're trying to do is reintroduce some of these more complex and potentially more useful ideas and theories uh, into more mainstream ufological debate and to get people thinking, well, uh, you know, I've not considered that before. Maybe, maybe we don't have all the answers here. Maybe we should start thinking outside the box a little bit more. What kind of audience, Robbie and Robert, do you expect to reach with this book? The people who are just sick to death of where it is now, trying to start from scratch, what? I think it will, if, if I may answer that first, is is because uh, I'm, I'm sure Rob will have his own thoughts on that. But my idea on that is that this book will have very natural and immediate appeal to people who are, as you say, sick to the back teeth of <laughs> of, uh, of current popular ideas and of, of what of what ufology represents today. Um, people who are, who are who would appreciate a good hard slap in the face for the field and that's what we offer and i think people will those kind of people will will relish this book at the same time i think that regardless of where you fall on the spectrum of belief whether you're a skeptic or a believer for lack of more nuanced terms something in this book will annoy you you will be annoyed guaranteed by at least one of the chapters or by statements or paragraphs within several chapters and that's the point it's not meant to please you it's meant to challenge you it's meant to make you challenge to, to make it's intended to make you question your own beliefs and what you're what you're bringing to this yourself we want to deconstruct ideas we want you to deconstruct us as writers um because we are i guess representative of a certain approach um and so you can assess our approach based on what we pre- what we present and you can assess you can you can you can reject it if, if if you know if you want to but if even if you even if you reject the book completely at least it's it's had value in that sense you know and so we are we are expecting or at least i'm expecting a lot of one star reviews on amazon for example i'm expecting a lot of five star reviews on amazon i think it's going to be a love it or hate it book but even the people who love it will find something to hate within it within it and even the people who hate it will find something to love so it's that kind of book um uh, I, so i think it will have natural appeal for people who are critical thinkers but my hope is that it that it transcends that and that it actually reaches a more popular ufological audience um i want people to read it who have fixed ideas and who are um very sympathetic to the eth and to the to the conspiratorial ufological narrative i want people to you know i want exopoliticians to read it i want people to to, to you know because otherwise there's no point if we're just preaching to the converted then there's no point i want it to reach people 
So how do we attract the people who have been brainwashed? Well, I think if you've been completely brainwashed, it's it's difficult. I don't think anyone is completely beyond reach. And I said in a previous interview that, you know, I'm coming to this from uh, – you know, I used to – you know, I think we're all believers to an extent in the sense that in the lack of definitive evidence for, for you know, to, to, to kind of pin down a UFO reality that's universally acceptable, in the lack of that proof, all we have really is belief. And uh, and whether it be uh, you know sceptical or more or more accepting, we have we all, we are all believers to an extent. Um, I just a few years ago was was far more uh, aligned to the traditional you know exopolitical kind of uh, uh, very simplistic version of of a, of a UFO reality. Um, and it's only through it's only over the last several years that I've had my mind expanded. And that I've challenged my own beliefs and shattered them really, um, and, and allowed other people to break them down, so that I can start to uh, pick up the pieces and see what remains, you know, and, and see and see what see what it looks like now. Um, so th- this this book is is a challenge to myself, really. It's 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 a challenge uh, from an indulgent perspective of seeing what I what I still believe. Do I still believe what I used to believe? Um, what essays in the book offend me? Do I, do I find any of the, any of the writing in the book annoying, um, offensive to my sensibilities or beliefs? And, and to an extent, yes, I do. And that's why they're in there. Because if you're not reading things that challenge you, then if you just want to read something that confirms your existing um, assumptions and beliefs, then, then what's the point? Robert Branstetter and Robbie Graham and Jean and Chris... UFOs reframing the debate. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Neighbors, I want to tell you about my favorite graphics app. It's the award-winning Graphic Converter. You know, Graphic Converter is the universal genius for photo editing on your Mac. Join over one and a half million loyal users for this Swiss Army Knife photo editing app. It gives you all you expect from a top-flight image editing app with tons of features. And most important, it's easy to use. It's also far less expensive than that other app that you can only get by subscription. You know, the one I'm talking about. What's more, you can get 20% off with your order right now. So write this down to learn about Graphic Converter. Go to www.lemkesoft.de slash gene. Let me spell that. www.lemkesoft.de slash gene. Anytime, any place, anywhere, radio remains the most intimate of all forms of media. At home, at work, in the car, on smartphones. Over 90% of consumers still listen to radio every week. That makes choosing radio as a place to advertise your business one of the best decisions you can make. Email advertise at GCNlive.com and partner up with an experienced GCN representative. Advertise at GCNlive.com. Easy, affordable, effective. 
Water is the single most important thing your body needs, so you want to be sure it's the best for you and your family. Since 2005, thousands have depended on Berkey Purified Water. The Berkey Guy provides the lowest priced filtration systems in every size. For incredibly delicious water now and in an emergency, get to GoBerkey.com or call 877-886-3653. 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com. The answer to being in control of your own health care is freedom from insurance. Become part of a group of self-pay patients that come together to share in each other's medical expenses. Individual share amounts begin at $107 a month and $347 for families. Choose from three health sharing programs. Holistic treatments may be eligible for sharing. See guidelines. Discount programs available for dental, vision, and pharmacy. Go to libertyoncall.org. That's libertyoncall.org. Heart disease is on the rise. Clogged arteries, high blood pressure, and high cholesterol levels may not be fully detected by you, but the symptoms are there. Loss of energy, blood sugar spikes and drops, poor circulation, and irregular heartbeat are just a few of these that can alert you that something is wrong. Hear how heart and body extract is making a difference in thousands of people's lives across America. My blood pressure has normalized. My diabetes has totally improved. Everyone is telling me now how much healthier I look, and I'm telling everyone how much healthier I feel. I recommend heart and body extract to everyone. Anybody over 40 in the North American continent should be using this product as a preventative to keep their cardiovascular system healthy. Order your two-month supply today by calling 866-295-5305. That's 866-295-5305. Or order online, hbextract.com. Heart and body extract, 866-295-5305. Or hbextract.com. Is that Ellen painting her garage? Yesterday she was trimming her hedges. What's her secret? I heard she was eating this new super berry called the Aronia Berry. Aronia what? Aronia Berries from superberries.com. They're known for having one of the highest levels of antioxidants that helps with overall wellness. Where can we get them? Go to superberries.com slash radio. And right now we get a free smoothie recipe book with our order. Plus we can save $4 at checkout. <laughs> I can't wait. I've got lots of projects I need to get done. Yes, you do. Choose health. Eat purple. Superberries.com. Hey, this is Marie D. Jones, the author of This Book is from the Future, and you are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Let us continue with Gene and Chris and Robbie Graham and Robert Branstetter, one of the essayists who participate in UFOs reframing the debate. If you didn't listen to Greg Bishop's appearance in the Paracast last week, I suggest it because he also contributed to this book. Plus, they've got some great illustrations from Red Pill Junkie. Mm, Fantastic, yeah. And he gives everything a touch of class, and he doesn't have this consistent style that's the same for everyone. No, he's really versatile. Yeah, incredibly versatile. I mean, he he designed the front cover for the book as well, and the back cover, and and all of the illustrations. um, You never know what you're going to get with him. I I really asked a lot of him um, in you know in what he's provided for the book, and uh, I think he could have done more. But but uh, I mean, like I could have asked more of him, um, but I didn't want (laughs) to. I didn't want to do that to him. What he's done in the book, these original illustrations are absolutely fantastic, and they do do make it quite unique. You mentioned. 
Greg Bishop's essay there. Uh, that's that's one that's a huge favourite of Robert's, I know. Um, I don't know if Robert wanted to, to touch on that a little bit. Sure, but I'd like to just make a, a side point about RPJ because I've had a chance to get to know him over this past year. And his essay is absolutely a joy to read. Mm. It stands in the middle of all the other ones is in such a unique writing style. And anybody knows his wit and listen to him online. Just imagine it concentrated inside of essay form. It is classic, hilarious, entertaining, fun, filled with his art. It's uh, such mm. a dynamic piece and it comes out of, you know, a, a very unexpected zone. And he's got something extremely unique to say about uh, what the UFO means to him as a as an act of personal alchemy but as well as how the ufo is you know agent of chaos in society which is i think a theme that a lot of the writers talk about see um you know the ufo's productive a creative force uh in our culture and uh, it's a wonderful essay for people who pick up the book that's a great one to start with it is yeah he his focus is 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 anarchy and and uh the ufo is the ultimate anarchist symbol i guess in modern modern society how it challenges all the structures that hold society together it's, it is a fascinating piece and, and as you say brilliantly written yeah but uh, greg's essay uh for me is like worth the price of admission I, i've read that piece a number of times i think it's pretty definitive work having read a lot of diverse materials from i think some fairly strong writers in the field over the last years. I'm drawn always to Greg's mode of thinking because he's not an absolutist. He's always constantly asking questions and and probing and looking for new ways to look at the field. And I think he's perhaps one of the more innovative thinkers we've got writing uh, right now. And his paper is just a strong, wonderful text. It's academic, it's thoughtful, it's summative of the field. He's critical of it. He points in various new directions and gives you know, for, for both a new reader to the field, a really good historical lens on how to think about ufology, and for people who've studied it for a long time, he provides a whole cavalcade of new ways of thinking uh, about the, the, the field, and he asks a bunch of different questions for us and, and points us in some new directions, and I think his piece is a really exciting one. I should mention quickly about Red Pill Junkie. He wrote an editorial for our Paracast newsletter, where he was comparing near-death experiences to UFO abductions. And of course, I said, you know, how about giving us a short editorial, like a thousand words? I think it's five or six thousand words. (laughs) And then some. And I'd recommend it heartily, especially whether you've read this book or not, Reframing the Debate, UFOs Reframing the Debate, or maybe in preparation. Read that, get a sense of how Red Pill Junkie thinks, his out-of-the-box thinking, and then go ahead and read this book and read his essay there. But that raises a whole bunch of fascinating discussions because everybody's living in this simple world where near-death experiences, well, of course, maybe you were clinically dead for three, four minutes and you see something that may or may not be real. But UFO abductions? No, it's E.T. coming down and they're doing their crazy quilt examinations on us with primitive instruments. And scaring us to death. And they're raping women and causing hybrid aliens and doing all sorts of crazy stuff. You know, everyone's in a little box. Yeah, he touches on that in his essay in the book as well. He, you know, he, he looks at the idea that uh, we're blinded by preconceptions, of uh, by scientific preconceptions, which have been forced by pop culture, I guess, are complemented by pop cultural representations of alien contact, you know, uh, the, the phenomenon itself doesn't seem to conform 
frustratingly to to what we want it to to be in terms of first contact scenarios you know the the idea of a, of a saucer on a white house lawn or a or a, or a decipherable message received by seti etc um it seems to do things that are completely anarchic and that, that are tricksterish and playful and frustrating and uh it just doesn't conform to our expectations and therefore it's hard to put under a glass and study uh, and so so yeah he, he touches on similar themes in this And he's got a great quote from Keith Thompson, author of Angels and Aliens, UFOs, and the Mythic Imagination. And he talks about how, you know, for the UFO witness or or experiencer, both uh, the skeptic and uh, the proponent, you know, the person who champions uh, this this phenomenon as, as, as say, an ETH uh, notion, but neither seem to fit for the witness. And what Greg highlights is, is that, as I think many writers inside the text uh, highlight, that there's the nature of the witness story, which is something very unique. And that's what Mike Clellan calls himself. He says he's a, a folklorist and he's simply collecting stories and letting these narratives speak for themselves, uh, which I think is a very honorable way of, of looking at it, versus the mythological zone where you've got different people interpreting these experiences, say somebody like a Jacobs that's saying that the aliens are here busy living with us on Earth and making these absolute judgments about uh, what's taking place, even though there's no basis in reality to make such pieces. And, and what Greg highlights is, is that let's spend more time thinking about the witness and giving them some primacy. And I think that is the dominant theme within this collection is, is let's spend more time thinking more carefully about how we treat the witness, how we talk with the witness, how we serve the witness, because at the end of the day, that's the base foundation of what anything you want to call ufology is about are are witnesses who have these incredible stories that they have to tell. And then there's the people who interpret them and make up the laws and the religion as they always have and says, and this is what this means, as opposed to maybe listening more carefully uh, to the witness story. Because at the end of the day, the UFO has come and gone. But what we do have left is a witness who's been profoundly impacted. And that's the place that we should be sinking more careful energy into. Mm. And then so you would read that, for example, in the book and think, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I, and I kind of really agree with that. And then in, the, in for example, uh, so as you say, Cleland, Mike Cleland champions that idea and others do as well. But in the essay that directly follows Mike Cleland's, which is by Jack Brewer, he projects outright that approach and says that witness testimony is virtually worthless <laughs> or the, te- the testimony of an individual witness is, is virtually worth- worthless. Uh, and then he goes on to, to sort of explain why he feels that's the case and makes a very good case for that. Again, that's the, this, this comes down to the structure of the book from my perspective of, uh, as an editor. I wanted the, edi- the essays to, to clash and conflict um, so that the reader is never really sure what to believe, just as you feel you might be close to drawing a conclusion or something might be close to making sense, you read the next essay and all of a sudden those ideas are thrown out the window and you're presented with new ones and you feel sort of lost. And I've said this before that by the end of the book, I want the reader to feel to an extent lost. Um, And I don't provide a conclusion at the end of the book because I want the reader to to draw their own conclusions to the extent that that is possible. And it may not be possible. I want the reader to feel lost because when you're lost, you start asking questions and you start looking for a new direction. Well, the big problem, of course, we continue to have here is that the mainstream world out there is on a totally different planet. (laughs) They are not in this universe. Their universe is E.T. Their universe is Disclosure. Their universe is Roswell. And Roswell is not possibly some kind of test aircraft or a balloon or testing of human subjects or anything like that. They're really smart and possibly relevant interpretations it is 
the 1950s revisited. This is it our is, pop culture. It, it is our pop culture, and, and it's very hard to to undo. And it's become it has become just yeah central to pop. I mean, you've had fringe culture become pop culture um, uh, over several decades, and and really the popularization of that fringe culture in, into pop culture occurred very rapidly um beginning in the sort of late 80s through throughout the 90s then i mean it was occurring before that on a on a lower level but then when you started to have things like the x files which were um just uh acting as like a parasite and all of this rich mythology that existed in the fringes and in the subcultures and then thrusting it into pop culture through tv and film it was irreversible then and, and that just became part of of the popular imagination and you know from in 1988 no one had even heard of area 51 except for a handful of people in the ufo community by like 1993 it was everywhere everyone had some understanding of what it represented and by 1996 it was in the biggest movie one of the biggest movies of all time independence day as a core core uh, plot element let's get into more of this robbie graham robert brandstetter gene and chris you're in the podcast <laughs> for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, A coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack Attack. of the Rockaways. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes, The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockaways lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans the galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack Attack. of the Rockaways is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack of the Rockoids, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. You've heard the phrase, you are what you eat? Not true. Actually, you are what you can absorb. So if the vitamins and supplements you now take are not being absorbed, what good are they? Introducing Protovite, proprietary liquid system that allows premium quality nutrients to positively affect the blood in an astonishing five minutes. Watch our amazing two-minute live blood cell video at TrueHealthFacts.com. That's TrueHealthFacts.com. Then call 502-410-3411. Protovite is nutrition you can feel. Protovite is nutrition that gets in. Are you looking to become more self-sufficient? Then you need to have your own energy source. The Solark EMP Hardened Generator is automatic, maintenance-free, and reduces your monthly electric bill. You can also take it off-grid when you go camping. Contact PortableSolarLLC.com or call for details at 972-575-8875 today. Portable Solar LLC gives you everything you need to start using solar energy in less than one hour. Solark EMP Hardened Solar Generator Energy Insurance. For your family or business, call Portable Solar LLC today. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Let's pick up on this a little bit here. 
about, you know, all the impact of our pop culture. And, of course, Independence Day, picking up all those cultural memes, taking everybody to Area 51, where they have the bodies of the aliens, and they have the captured spaceship at Roswell, except they captured it in the 1950s. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you know, some of that script continuity could have been fixed. So, but the point is they listened to that. The X-Files did too. But the X-Files had its new incarnation last year, and it's going to mm. be a, another season probably next year. Yeah, and yeah. they threw out some of that meme, mm-hmm. and they came up with something else. So now they learned, yeah, maybe the aliens landed at Roswell. But all the nonsense that's happened since then has been done by our own government, in part using reverse-engineered technology from Roswell. Have you noticed that change? Well, what's so fascinating about the new series uh, of the X-Files, the one that's just gone, is that you had a break. Uh, someone might correct me if I'm wrong here, but I think you had a, a gap between season nine, which was the previous, the last season of the old series, in 2009. You had a gap of about 14 years between that season and this new season. And in that time, you had an absolute explosive blossoming of conspiracy culture um, largely thanks to the internet and what you had was a sort of a a homogenization a coalescence of lots of different conspiracy strands all weaved together into an ultimate grand conspiracy and the creators of the X-Files Chris Carter's and others have obviously been observing this with great fascination and have relished the opportunity to, to weave all of that into the very first episode of the new series they did so very effectively in a sense of unifying all of these conspiracy theories which have been emerging over the past sort of decade or so. But they did so at the expense of, of, a, of kind of a dramatic narrative because they were so zealous to, to get everything in there that um, the, the mystery of the series is gone. But anyway, that's, that's by the by. But the point is, is that, the, that yeah, the, the, do not underestimate the massive power of televisual, of visual media, television and cinema, to uh, shape our perceptions of the world around us. The British filmmaker Ken Russell once said that Hollywood fills the gaps in our knowledge of the world, and I think that is such a profoundly true statement, and it's, it's especially true when it comes to our knowledge, so-called, of UFOs. All we have are gaps in knowledge, and so what fills those gaps? Well, it's pop culture, essentially. For, the, for people who aren't reading UFO literature, what fills those gaps is pop culture, is, is, is movies and TV shows, and those TV shows and movies feed like a parasite on this rich subcultural um, narrative and new age religion and they, they, they read the same books as UFO believers and they, they use it for dramatic purposes and they weave so-called ufological fact which itself is hugely speculative with completely imagined fiction and they create this hyper-real world where, where UFOs and all of the things that are associated with them are simultaneously fact and fantasy in the popular imagination. There's no separating the two, and no one has any interest in separating the two, um, if it were ever possible in the first place. So one of the examples I use is Roswell, in fact, where Roswell is the, the, the movie Roswell, uh, the 1994 TV movie produced by Paul Davids and written by Paul Davids. This was, a, this was the film that really thrust the Roswell incident into pop culture. People were aware of it within the UFO community at, at that point and prior to that. But it still wasn't a huge, huge thing 
uh, up until that point. But then that that film uh, was based on a couple of books, a couple of UFO books, uh, nonfiction. <laughs> loosely, I use that term loosely. You know, it was seen by millions of people on Showtime TV and was nominated for a Golden Globe. And then that movie crystallized all of these other kind of abstract, loose ideas, crystallized them and it crucially narrativized them. That's what TV and cinema do is they narrativize ideas and they, and they make sense out of life, out of history, out of situations. I should probably stop ranting anyway because I'm going off on my cinema rants here. But, but the, the idea is, is that, uh, to summarize, obviously film and TV have a huge, huge effect on our um, understanding of our misunderstanding of the world around us. They simplify things because they narrativize things. And the world doesn't conform, life doesn't conform to narrative structures. And so, so cinema simplifies life for us. And it simplifies things that we don't understand, um, especially UFOs. We don't understand them to begin with. And so our understanding has come through simplified cinematic and televisual narratives um, and so that has has a massive effect on on, on popular belief and assumptions and, and it's all framed through the extraterrestrial hypothesis because cinema likes to keep things simple you know another example there is that Steven Spielberg when he was making Close Encounters of the Third Kind um, in, in 1976-1977 um, he was consulting with Jacques Vallée and Jacques Vallée insisted that Spielberg should explore interdimensional hypotheses or more complex, um, uh, you know, multifaceted ideas than just extraterrestrial visitation. And Spielberg said, well, you know, that might well be the case. That might be very interesting. He said, but I want to give people what they expect. Um, and he knew that, that aliens in metal spacecraft coming from, in a, from another, uh, another galaxy or another star system was easier to package and easier to digest for the audiences. And so, so Hollywood likes to keep things simple. And so, yeah, so Hollywood keeps it simple. Uh, ufology keeps it simple. Is it simple? I would say probably not. Well, you know, another thing too I think bears mentioning is that when you have a popular movie like Close Encounters, or a popular television show like, um, like, um, well, The Outer Limits uh, comes to mind, Twilight Zone, obviously in the 90s, The X-Files. Um, I, I have noticed that there seems to be a um, kind of an, a real obvious reaction in, um, in public um, fascination with these programs, which tend, tends to, um, I think, result in... The, increased numbers of sightings. I think when people are inspired by a certain scientific uh, science fiction or scientific motif that has to do with, with ETs and aliens, they tend to be more observant of the night sky or, or their environment around them uh, during the day. And I think that that has a, a way of possibly, um, whether it's spontaneous, whether it's you know kind of a rolling motion to the culture, you do see more sighting events being reported and and being um, held up for for the rest of the culture to observe, and and I think that there's there's a, a real obvious cause and effect relationship between coverage of of the ET extraterrestrial alien meme in the culture and actual uh, response within the culture, a kind of a call call and response, and uh, that's something that I. I'm, I've been fascinated by, and and I, I really think goes uh, towards a, a psychosocial um, sort of analysis of of the whole phenomenon, and um, I think more 
at least in my mind, more um, work needs to be done in these areas. I, I think they could be infinitely rewarding. I agree. Um, uh, I, I looked at this when I was doing my research for my Silver Screen Sources book, and I looked at this a lot for for a long, long, long time, for years, in fact. And people do talk generally about this idea of a feedback loop between what people see in, on screen and what people report in real life and there being a direct correlation between real-world sightings and, and big blockbuster movies and things like that. In reality, it's very hard to make those correlations. Um, uh, there are a handful of examples where you can point to increased sightings demonstrably following the release of a, of a major movie. I think Close Encounters was, was really was definitely one, um, but but at the same time, the effect of cinema more broadly is, is um, it, well. It's not. It's not. Cinema doesn't have direct effects. It has um, macro effect. Well, it I has. Challenge that one there a bit, Robbie, because I would say that the very act of seeing is something that's informed by, you know, memory and what we've seen before. And I think one of the things that both Greg and I try to make the case for is that the cultural impact of these cinematic representations of the UFO probably have uh, an incredible amount to do with what, in fact, is reported by uh, a witness because they tend to dress it then with the skins of the things that they know about. We've got Robert Brandstetter. Robbie Graham, Gene and Chris, you're in the Paracast. Attack of the Rockoids has been well received by critics and readers alike. It's a thrill a minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Classic science fiction at its best. Available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R O C K O I D S.com. Are you drowning in debt? Are you struggling to make minimum payments? Did you know that on average a household with at least one credit card struggles with over 10000 in credit card debt? If this sounds like you, know that it's not your fault. Credit card debt happens to good people. Credit card companies lure you in with low introductory rates and low minimum payments. Before you know it, you're in over your head. We've helped thousands of good people just like you become debt-free with our Debt Reset Program that will dramatically reduce your debt down to a fraction of what you owe. Our Debt Reset Program is customized to get you debt-free in as little as 24 to 48 months with one low monthly payment. If you owe over 10000 in credit card debt or even personal loans, call 800-912-6177. There are no upfront fees or out-of-pocket expenses. You don't pay a dime until we succeed. Call now to see how the Debt Reset Program can work for you. 800-912-6177. That's 800-912-6177. Again, 800-912-6177.
Hunters, anglers, campers, and survivalists. Get back to nature. Expand your horizons with the highest quality, most versatile, unique slingshots and sling bows on the market at slingbow.com. Slingbow products are compact and models start from just $17.98. They're perfect for your bug out bag or storing in your vehicle. Give yourself and your loved ones the excitement and tradition of Slingbow. A new frontier in archery and truly modern twist on this primitive survival tool. Feel the thrill only at slingbow.com. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow. And like all of you out there, I had problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat. I would flip-flop all night long. I would wake up with a sore neck, maybe a headache, or feel like I needed a nap even though I slept eight hours. When I invented my pillow, I wanted it to where you could move the patented fill to give you the exact support you need as an individual, regardless of sleep position. My pillow will get you into that deep REM sleep faster and you will stay there longer. It's not about how much time we spend in bed. It's about how much of that quality sleep we get. I do all of my own manufacturing right here in the United States. I have a 10-year warranty. You can wash and dry my pillow, and I give you a 60-day money-back guarantee so you have nothing to lose. And here's my best offer ever. You can buy one of my pillows and get one absolutely free. Go to MyPillow.com or call 800-870-0305 and use promo code GCN. That's MyPillow.com or 800-870-0305 with promo code GCN. By now you know that wireless technology like cell phones do in fact pose dangers to the health and privacy of everyone. Blocket Pocket's wide range of products are unmatched in providing the protection you deserve. No scare tactics, just common sense. BlockitPocket.com offers quality American-made options to alleviate and eliminate these invisible dangers. Learn more at BlockitPocket.com or call 888-315-9618. BlockitPocket.com, enhancing health and privacy. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Robert Brandstetter was starting on something here where, of course, when we see something, our cultural conditioning puts the dress around it, what we see. But I wanted to add something here that occurred to me as we're listening. So when you have a UFO movie or something that sparks interest in UFOs, people see more of them. Is that because there are more things to see out there and we just start looking or the phenomenon picks up on it? Well, I think the, the the simple explanation there would be that, sim- that simply, and I can testify to this myself. So I didn't see Close Encounters of the Third Kind until I was sixteen years old, and at that point I was already like consuming all of the literature feverishly. And so this was just the, like the most amazing film I'd ever seen. It's still my, one of my favourite films. It's a brilliant, brilliant film. But I watched it for the first time, and I was awestruck by it. And then I stepped out when it had finished, when the credits had rolled. I stepped out into my back garden as a 16-year-old, and I looked across the horizon, and guess what? I saw a UFO, and I stood and I looked at this UFO, and I stood and I watched it for 30, 40 minutes through binoculars, and what is it, what is it, what is it? It turned out to be a planet. But because I had seen that film, I directly saw him saying things don't have a direct effect. They, do, they can have direct effects, but broadly speaking, so, so, so obviously that, that inspired me to go out and look at the sky. So, so the effect there is that it doesn't necessarily shape what you see, but it, it encourages you to actually go and look at the sky, and therefore you, you're more likely to see yeah, something. Yeah, and that was my point before. Yeah. 
Yeah, but I agree with what Robert was saying in the sense that you know we can dress things in in in, in the skin. But when I talk about cinema not having a, a direct effect, what I meant there was, for example, a film like Natural Born Killers, um, which was hugely hugely controversial in 1994, Oliver Oliver Stone's film, ultra violent film, which is a commentary on on violence um, and media sensationalism. That film, the expectation is that you see a Tarantino movie, like you know, and, and so for example, conservative critics will argue that films will encourage people to, that violent films will encourage people to go out and, and commit violence. It's just there's, there's absolutely never been any evidence of it whatsoever, you know, apart from a handful of, a handful of very, very small cases where you've got people who are already psychotic or mentally imbalanced who, who yes, have been, you know, triggered by something that they've seen. But people who are otherwise mentally stable, um, who are well-adjusted individuals, are not going to watch, you know, a Tarantino movie and then go on a killing spree. So it doesn't have that kind of direct impact that a lot of conservative critics would argue that it does but certainly over time cinema can shape our perceptions of a great many things in a very broad sense absolutely and i would also add because i don't think i'm too interested in the notion of you know cinema or these pop cultural representations creating uh, cases sightings but i do think that they have a lot to do with the nature of, of how we see and one of the rules of, about seeing that, that i've learned from from studying uh, this part and i think both greg and i tend to put a lot of emphasis on the nature of perception consciousness memory and, and the act of seeing and how does that that work and one of the rules about seeing is you see what you expect to see so as soon as you've bought yourself a new car for example suddenly you're going to be seeing that car all over the place i didn't notice how many people were smoking in society until i took up smoking again after a 16-year absence and, and I think that the, the act of seeing needs to be looked at more specifically, more critically, and, and that's what the essays at the close of the text focus on. One third of our brain is devoted to seeing. If you're a UFO investigator and you're studying people who are seeing very strange and bizarre things, then maybe we should take some time to think about how the very act of seeing works. Uh, what the role of memory is when it comes to reporting what's been seen, uh, what else impacts and affects the nature of seeing, and, and how does seeing even work in the first place, especially when it's confronted with something perhaps that it can't see quite properly or it's never seen before, or maybe even stretches the boundaries of human perception in the first place. And so for whatever reason why we might interact with that external stimulus, we should be thinking about why the reports come back the way they do, because some of them are absolutely, utterly surreal. And Greg makes some really good mention of, of one where uh, I think it's 1966 man drives and sees a rocket ship parked by the side of the road and what comes out of it, but walking beer cans uh, with little probes <laughs> coming out of that. I mean, utterly surreal pieces. And mm. ufology's filled with those that we don't take time to think about. And it certainly speaks to Greg's, you know, major concept, which is the idea of the co-creation hypothesis, that the human witness is richly involved with helping to create what in fact has been seen and reported. On that, I'd like to quote you, actually, Robert, if I may, in the book, on the, on the idea of, of seeing and perception. You say that if we are to better know the UFO, then we must first learn how to, how to disentangle ourselves from the hallucinatory nature of seeing and accept that much of what is reported in close encounter events is so very strange because it is beyond the borders of what can be witnessed. And Greg touches on similar themes, as you say. He says, you know, how much do we bring to the dance in a paranormal encounter? In other words, how much of the UFO experience is the result of our subconscious minds trying to make sense of unexpected, startling and or frightening input and leaving us with an insane placeholder when we can't decide on anything else? So, yeah, you guys focus on the idea of the very moment of seeing, the very act of seeing and how things can be distorted very dramatically even in that 
moment, especially when confronted with phenomena at the peripheries of, of everyday experience. And then also then when we come to recall those events, how much baggage we, we add to that. So that what we actually report, by the time we actually come to report it, and by the time then it's passed over to someone else and, and, and reported further, how, how far is that from what was actually witnessed? And I think the answer is probably very far in a lot of cases. Yeah, I agree. And that's where, you know, Brewer says, just throw out the whole witness piece altogether. And, and Greg even asks, you know, it's being questioned in courts of law increasingly is the, the truth and weight of witness testimony. Because I think the argument Greg and I both make that, that what we are seeing is something that's perhaps at the edges of human perception or at the edge of the capacity of our biology, that we, we need to look a little bit more carefully at maybe who that witness is, what was going on before uh, they saw what they saw, what happened during, what happened after, and be very careful with the nature of the questions that are being asked and, and really just allow people to, to tell their story and, and get involved in, in those ways because it, it's a very complex event, this witnessing of the alien ship or whatever you want to describe it as, UAP, UFO. And, and, you know, just thinking about my own experience and seeing two ships on an ice rink when I was nine, I, I still remember that one of the first thoughts that came into my head as one ship started descending closer to us on the rink is in my mind, I heard a voice say, you know what's going to happen next, you're going to get abducted. So now something had to inform that prior to me mm-hmm. seeing that. Obviously, I am front loaded with, you know, cultural baggage uh, that is defining the experience as it's happening right in front of me. And so we need to be quite thoughtful about the nature of, of perception and consciousness and, and how these things intersect with something as awesome as witnessing a UFO. <laughs> I'm loving this, man. This this is what I live for when it comes to this. I've been I've been screaming for 25 years. That it's not so much what's being experienced that's important, it's the experiencer and why that particular person was selected by chance to have that particular experience at that particular time in their, in their day, night, life, multi-generational life. Who knows how deeply rooted some of these experiences can be. And after you've talked with the three generations of individuals that have had experiences, it really starts to make you question the very nature of consensual reality are are we actually now in in the in terms of the ufo realm are we actually handing down these sort of family and personal myths that are co-creating and and (laughs) co-manifesting experience to validate you know our our historical sort of persona that we've we've given ourselves we'll continue with chris o'brien and gene steinberg and Robbie Graham, and Robert Branstetter, and more. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Do you know what's lurking in your water? More than 200 contaminants could be sitting there, just waiting for their glass. With a ProPure water filter, start enjoying clean and great-tasting water today. ProPure filters, independently tested, latest water filter technology. ProPure systems do not require electricity and are easy to set up and easy to use. To find out more, visit your authorized ProPure dealer or ProPureUSA.com. That's P-R-O-P-U-R-U-S-A.com. 
fully cooked, ready-to-eat bacon. I'm talking thick, meaty, center-cut, presidential bacon. Savory and delicious. I buy some, I use some, I store some. Awesome. No refrigeration needed with a 10-year shelf life. NASA pack technology. Bacon. Fully cooked, fully hydrated, ready-to-eat right from the pack bacon. Or warm and served. Life-saving, ready-to-eat bacon. 10-year shelf life bacon. Ships free at FullyCookedBacon.com. FullyCookedBacon.com. Hi, John here again. After another month of being on several supplements from Synergistic Nutrition, including Synergy One, the Andreas Black Cumin Seed Oil, and other supplements, I've lost another 10 pounds for a total of 20 pounds. My belt size has been reduced by one and three quarter inches. My knees don't ache as much anymore, and I'm walking my dogs twice as long as I did a month ago. I sleep very well and have a lot more energy. I noticed that when I cut myself accidentally, that I was bleeding much more profusely and that the blood was bright red. Previously, I didn't bleed much at all. It was dark red in color. So I know this protocol is working to keep my blood healthy. Additionally, I now have the energy to do calisthenics several times a week in addition to the extra walking. My hunger has been reduced a lot. I take two shakes a day, one with each meal. Call Synergistic Nutrition at 888-988-3325 or visit sacredseedoils.com. That's sacredseedoils.com. Have you checked your Google search results lately? Search results are usually the first impression that people form of you or your business. So make sure that they create a positive impression with ReputationDefender.com. What the Internet says about you can have a big impact on your life and your livelihood, even if it's not true. Fortunately, you can now control how you look online and in online search results with ReputationDefender.com. Call 800-831-0771 now. That's 800-831-0771 for your free reputation. Analysis. If you have negative material from an ex-employee, upset patient, or former client, newspaper article, legal issue, social media, or other source showing up in your search results, you can combat it with ReputationDefender.com. Our dedicated experts in patented technology can help make your online search results look their best. Call 800-831-0771 to learn more. 800-831-0771. That's 800-831-0771. Or visit ReputationDefender.com. Warning. If you've recently declared bankruptcy, you're going to want to cover your ears. Because there's an alternative to bankruptcy, and it could be better than you'd ever think possible. But if you've already declared bankruptcy and have missed this opportunity, you'll want to cover your ears now. Here it is. Right now, the company that has resolved more credit card debt than anyone in the U.S. may be able to settle your debt, too. You can resolve your debt with one low monthly program payment. If you call right now and qualify, Freedom Debt Relief will show you how low your monthly program payment could be for free. Call now, 1-800-660-1297. That's 1-800-660-1297. If you're struggling with debt, this could be your answer. And the bigger your debt, the more money you could save. To find out for free how much of your hard-earned money Freedom Debt Relief could help you save, call now, 1-800-660-1297. 1-800-660-1297 Hi, this is Bryce Abel. I'm the producer of Dark Skies, the co-author of AD After Disclosure, and you are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Chris O'Brien was starting on something that's certainly 
worth considering, Chris? Well, I, I wasn't really starting on something. I'm just acknowledging that finally, um, you know, I think my thinking and, and David Perkins and, and a number of people, Jacques Vallée, Messengers of Deception, it's just one of those classic anybody who's interested in these subjects has got to read that book because it lays it out in with no uh, you know uncertain terms that this whole area is is a perfect petri dish for societal manipulation you know if 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 we can conceive of doing that as a bunch of uh, evolved apes uh, basically imagine some sort of intelligence, whether it's extraterrestrial or, or terrestrial, for for that matter, that that's a thousand uh, years ahead of us, ten thousand years, a million years. Imagine the the types of programming that they could do with basic primal symbols and images to subtly steer mass uh, collective human behavior and belief. The mind boggles when you really look at the implications of the UFO phenomenon and get beyond the basic. I'm so tired of, of, of looking at the internet and somebody, you know, posting some, oh, look at this incredible sighting. And it's somebody has literally lifted a Billy Meyer beam ship or a George Adamski uh, image and, and superimposed it on some scene. It's just so obvious to me that we are being led by our collective knows in a particular direction. And it's only like people that Robbie has, has, you know, been able to corral together for this book and, and, you know, including myself and a number of other very, very creative thinkers who are even aware that there's a potential, that there's something more going on than the simple ETH. You know, Greg has dogged me and JP, uh, you know, Red Red Pill Junkie has, has dogged me about being too concerned about the true believers and there's no need uh, to try to pull them out of their, you know, shallow, very (laughs) laughable belief system. There's no point. I mean, it's almost like, you know, they couldn't even begin to conceive of what is going on based on their, their, their total entrenchment in, into that particular mode. So it's their thing. It's doing them well, leave them alone. I don't agree with that, and I think Robbie's book, uh, this compilation book, is is a huge step forward within two boards that you can open the thing up and and really gain some insight into the the more creative thinkers in the field and and creative perspectives that really get your you know wheels of of intellectual curiosity kind of get them oiled and and get them starting to 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 function a little bit more <laughs> mm. stridently yeah. uh so anyway my hats off to you guys um you know burnt a uh, really good uh, way to to finish the whole thing up i really like greg's um idea of the co-creative process these are all really important um avenues of thought that have been proposed and i think anybody who has a real you know real passion uh, for knowledge and understanding in the field needs to start thinking along these these you know avenues <laughs> going down these 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 alleys and into some of them are cul-de-sacs some of them uh, lead on to to freeways I, I think it's important to explore these these uh, creative thinking rationales and ideas and and Without that, we're, we're going to be spinning our wheels for another 70 years. I'm, I'm sorry. You know, I have an interesting dilemma that I see for something like this. And we have a number of people out there who are interested in out-of-the-box thinking and will buy a book like this. 
and will appreciate what's being done, whether they agree with the essays or not. And I'm wondering then, you're invited onto a TV or radio show, and they ask you to explain any of this. And they're preconditioned with UFOs or spaceships, their solid craft, the government knows something, there's disclosure involved, there's a silence group, all the old UFO memes, aliens crash at Roswell. And how the heck do you tell them any of this in a way they understand it? Can it be even marketed? The contents of this book, you mean? Yeah, how do you market this to the masses? Or can you? Probably not. (laughs) Robert? <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you can market it to the masses. I was thinking about that question earlier, you know, who's the book for? And the book is for skeptics because they're going to find a lot of, you know, critical uh, anti-ETH, uh, anti-UFO as a religion uh, kind of uh, thematics in here. It's for believers uh, because it points to um, a lot of alternative ways of thinking and kind of confirmations of UFO reality based on very subjective uh, thinking, Uh, but it's also for anybody who's been stuck in the middle and is extremely curious about it. And we know from, you know, the forums, for example, there's a lot of really deeply curious people that aren't necessarily satisfied with one answer or the other and, and want to investigate the middle ground. And I think this book investigates middle ground in such a a rich way because there's so many dynamic writers that work contrary to each other as well as one of the things if you read the book from beginning to end there is an evolution of some very specific themes that are at work that lead the reader i think to a pretty pretty interesting you know new new ways of of visioning uh things so in that way uh, i think the market best is to anybody who's never read a ufo book before and you're interested then take this one because as Robbie mentioned elsewhere, you know, this will save you about 10 years of misery in buying a bunch of bunk uh, that's out there that is just based on belief systems. And here's some good critical thinking that I think no matter where you come from in, in the field, uh, you'll be satisfied and, and angry and, and, and interested. Yeah, I say, I say in my introduction to the book, I say, if by some slim chance this is the first book you've ever picked up, I'm afraid you've thrown yourself in at the very deep end of the pool. But that's all the more reason to push on with it. If you do so, I feel confident in stating that the wider ufological waters will seem clearer and more navigable. And, and I think that's, that's the case, really. You know, I, I do kind of wish that I've read something like this, I don't know, 15, 16, 17 years ago, <laughs> um, at least to have been exposed to these ideas, even if, even if these ideas didn't really sink in at the time, at least, at, at least I'd have been exposed to them. And I think that's what's important. I think a lot of this, these ideas are just shut out of, of mainstream ufological debate um, right now and have been for quite some time. And I've never really managed to get a foothold um, outside of a very small group of you know, dedicated thinkers. But but that's it. It's trying to bring these ideas to more popular readership, really. And it really is rooted in the annals of ufology that was brought up earlier in the show, too. And if you look at the footnotes uh, from people and, and in the index and see who's re- referenced inside there, this is well rooted within the canon of, I think, perhaps what's good ufological thinking uh, that that the writers in here are picking up from very interesting voices, unique voices, thoughtful, more some of the more critical voices. I know Valet is, is mentioned, you know, gazillions of times in there. And, and I think one of the more important new contemporary thinkers uh, Greg Bishop is, has got a number of references in there as well. And so in that way, it does speak to an ongoing dialogue within the field and trying to maybe pull out some of the, the threads of what's the best as well as the worst and, and how to start thinking more critically about the field. Yeah. You know, I was thinking here about where some of the cutting edge thought I encountered 
originated. I don't know if you guys know someone who's been on the show, an old friend of mine named Alan Greenfield. And he was doing some of this way back in the 60s. And we were then talking about a multiverse and UFOs from other dimensions as, you know, one of the things we should at least talk about, consider alternatives. And he had something called the Alternate Horizons Newsletter that had to have a circulation of about 10 because nobody cared. <laughs> you know, yeah. we'd look at that. Who's this guy? I don't know. He's, he's one of those wacky people who come into the, the UFO field. And then we had John Keel talking about his ultra-terrestrials and all this other stuff. But I saw that happen. And I saw attempts made to leave the Donald Kehoe faction of ufology. And it kind of just faded out, I guess, in the 70s. I don't know. Let me do our break and we'll get into more of this. The title of the book is UFOs Reframing the Debate. It's a series of essays that try to take new looks at this phenomenon. We have one of the essayists, Robert Brandstetter, the editor, Robbie Graham. We've got Gene and Chris. We're having a whale of a time, but we're not talking about the whales. That's terrible. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Neighbors, I want to tell you about my favorite graphics app. It's the award-winning Graphic Converter. You know, Graphic Converter is the universal genius for photo editing on your Mac. Join over one and a half million loyal users for this Swiss Army Knife photo editing app. It gives you all you expect from a top-flight image editing app with tons of features. And most important, it's easy to use. It's also far less expensive than that other app that you can only get by subscription. You know, the one I'm talking about. What's more, you can get 20% off with your order right now. So write this down to learn about Graphic Converter. Go to www.lemkesoft.de slash gene. Let me spell that. www.lemkesoft.de slash gene. Lifetime Gray's 100% grass-fed beef has the health benefits you seek. When compared to conventional beef, it offers good fats while virtually eliminating the bad. That's the result of cattle who never eat grain, ever. Rich in antioxidants, including vitamin E, C, beta-carotene, and CLA. No artificial hormones, antibiotics, or other drugs. For all our fresh, non-cooked products with only 100% grass-fed beef, go to MidasResources.com. Use voucher code GCN to get 30% off your order. MidasResources.com or find us on Facebook. Be prepared for the next disaster with the Shelter Pod. The Shelter Pod is a large, all-season, heavy-duty, quick-deploy shelter. The Shelter Pod system can be set up in 30 seconds and includes an emergency medical kit, water filter, survival tools, and more. Are you prepared to take care of your family? Do you have everything in one place ready to go? Get it now or enter to win a complete Shelter Pod system at ShelterPod.com. The Shelter Pod at ShelterPod.com. Shelter when you need it most.
Being self-reliant is about being prepared and to do what you need to have your own source of renewable energy. Portable Solar LLC offers the most powerful EMP-hardened solar system on the market that is transportable from place to place, and the best part, it's very affordable. Contact them at PortableSolarLLC.com or call for details at 972-575-8875. SolArc EMP-hardened solar generator, energy insurance for your family or business. Call Portable Solar LLC today or go to PortableSolarLLC.com to check out their patent-pending technology. Are you happy washing your hands with harsh chemicals? Are you happy doing laundry with detergents? Are you happy paying high prices? Find your happiness with Pure Soap. These all-natural, earth-friendly Pure Soaps are the very best you've ever used. Buy in bulk. Get a 12, 36, or 48-month supply. Or get items individually and still save big. You're getting soap products twice as good as what you're using now. Earth-friendly and natural soaps. Your family deserves the best. Happiness is 5starsoap.com. Why not put your money up the drain for a change? See them at 5starsoap.com or call 1-800-340-7091 for a catalog. Cal Bend Soap Company can save you thousands of dollars and give you good old-fashioned real soaps that are triple concentrated. Soaps made from vegetable and coconut oils. See their full selection of soaps at 5starsoap.com. That's F-I-V-E starsoap.com or call 1-800-340-7091 for a catalog. This is Dan Pilla. Do you owe the IRS money you can't pay? Are tax debts crippling you? I've defended people from the IRS for over 30 years. I've helped thousands and I can help you too. I wrote the book on IRS settlement and I'm telling you, there's no such thing as a hopeless case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX to finally get free of IRS debt. With the IRS's new programs, there's never been a better time to solve your problem. Call 800-34-NO-TAX. That's 800-34-NO-TAX or my website, danpilla.com. This is Jerome Clark, author of the UFO Encyclopedia and other books. You're listening to the Paracast. I'm sorry, it just you know came out of my mouth. <laughs> but you get my point here. This was tried in some ways way back when, and maybe it wasn't the right time. And can we hope this is the right time? I, I think that people in the, um, in the mainstream uh, UFO school of thought, I guess, which does revolve around the notion of disclosure, for better or for worse, I think, I think an increasing number of people are starting to become disillusioned. And I've seen, I've seen that directly. I have to say, I think people, a number of people, a surprising number of people, I think are starting to open their minds a little bit to some more uh, abstract lines of inquiry uh, with, with UFOs. And uh, I think, you know, year after year of promises of disclosure um, leading to absolutely nothing, I think is starting to wear thin with with some people. <laughs> and um, so... I think I think the tide is already turning. To be honest, I think more more people, a new generation perhaps, is starting to become more open minded um, and less simplistic in their approaches to this. Um, again, I want to state that I don't reject the extraterrestrial hype. I don't reject the extraterrestrial hypothesis, um, uh, but I think that, that what we're dealing with, and I do believe we are dealing with something genuinely anomalous, is far more complex and multifaceted than just aliens visiting us in metal spaceship from, from spaceships from another solar system. Um, but, but that could well, in, in my opinion, have some part in it. 
other contributors to this book would strongly disagree with me. Um, and I think that's the value, again, of what we're doing here is, is we, are, we are trying to present clashing, conflicting perspectives within one volume so that you are completely confused about, <laughs> about, about what to believe and the idea is that you shouldn't believe anything. So I don't know, what do you think, uh, Robert, in terms of is the tide turning? I don't know. I'm not too sure. I mean, if one reads this book, one might say, wow, there's some very interesting tides that are swirling about that are pulling together a lot of different unique threads, both from like kind of um, recent investigations into consciousness, into memory and perception, uh, information theory, Greg uh, delves into, uh, up against... um, uh, those other notions of the UFO itself purely as a as a symbol uh, operating at work within uh, the species that is altering us in very unique ways, causing us to think and reflect upon ourselves, our science, as perhaps as being uh, in deficit. Um, it pushes our boundaries of thinking in many ways. And I, I think one of the things I like about the essays in here, and I, and I wish that there were more books, you know, moving in this direction, is that it uses the UFO as, uh, as an imaginative symbol in some ways to say, well, what else can we learn about ourselves and the human experience through that? Given that we can't name the truth of it and, and come up with an answer and measure it or replicate it in any way, well, how can we study the rest of it to see, well, what other truths are there that we might be able to tease and pull out from investigating different related disciplines, you know, because it covers everything from uh, neurobiology uh, to information theory to uh, the nature of perception, memory, uh, psychology. It, it investigates so many different fields. Uh, and I think RPJ says this, uh, and I say this, that uh, it is a very flexible phenomenon that encourages human beings to actually pursue knowledge and knowledge about themselves in very unique ways. Yeah. Again, one of the things I say is that the, the role of the uh, of the witness in UFO events is, is typically is overlooked by UFO investigators, whose focus is on what the witness has seen rather than why they have seen it or how they have interpreted it and so the assumption is quite strangely that the ufo witness is, is almost independent of their mm-hmm. anomalous experiences you know uh the, the, the people interpret the popular interpretation of ufo experiences is that something external is happening to uh, a completely independent observer um, whereas when, when you even start to think about that for a moment, that's that's very very simplistic way of, of looking at this, um, and that's why you know, for example, Greg and Robert and other essayists in the book encourage that the, the focus should be uh, more internal than external. Uh, we, we if we seek to understand you know the complexities of human cognition and consciousness itself, then we might better understand the UFO and, and then maybe better understand ourselves. Okay, I certainly hope we'd have another response there, but I'll just oh, jump in here. That's all right. Oh, you got cut off. Yeah, I, I, my audio has been flashing in and out. All right, go ahead. Go ahead, Robert. Okay. S- certainly, I think that uh, a core component of the text that is important is it does move into contemporary science and it does try to examine the very act of what it is to experience reality itself. Um, One of the scientists that gets mentioned twice is Donald Hoffman, who looks at this theory of conscious realism and and what in fact is the nature of reality and our experience of reality and recognizing that the human sensory apparatus has been built as a function of evolution. So, the way that we see and, and experience reality is based wholly on the, the nature of our sensory system and how that's evolved. And it's evolved so it can suit us best. And what Hoffman highlights is, is that our version of reality is a very limited one. There may be far more dynamic 
things taking place that are beyond our perception that, you know, other species perhaps are able to interact with in the way that butterflies have x-ray vision and dogs here, you know, at, at frequencies that we're incapable of. Uh, so our version of reality is lim limited. And what Hoffman uh, opens the door up for is that we may, during rare occasions, for whatever reason is taking place in the witness in that moment and whatever that external stimulus is, be intersecting with something that is perhaps a very common part of reality. As Greg Bishop once described it as, you know, like waves in the water. It might be extremely common, but for whatever reason, the right circumstances are there that cause us to intersect with it and then see something absolutely incredible that is often quite surreal, very bizarre and absurd in its uh, presentation to us, and that perhaps this is the rich source of, of where the UFO is, some type of commonplace, you know, could be an entity, could be an intelligence, could be non-conscious, and is something that we see by chance uh, given the right circumstance and causes us to experience a whole new uh, set of perceptions that is not normally common to the human experience. But let me throw another possibility out for you. That is, the UFO will never be there unless we're prepared or causing it to happen. I don't know how much about the cause piece. Like, I think there's some cases where you get the sense that certainly there were things perhaps on the mind of that individual ahead of time, especially in abductee cases, uh, where there's some interesting front-loading and perhaps mental destabilization or trauma taking place that causes things to unfold as they do. But, you know, I've talked with people who, you know, were driving home from Cub Scouts one day with, with their dad, and they come around the corner and boom, there's a UFO, you know, in a field right beside the road, you know. Yeah, no less I, I, I totally agree with that, too. I think there's way Way too much. Um, there's a weird sort of sort of counterintuitive synchronicity going on. You'll you, when you least expect something to happen is is most of the time when it does happen. Mm. But I know um, people who have experienced very close to what Roberts just said. You know, people driving at night. Um, uh, you know, having a conversation uh, on, on anything but UFOs, and all of a sudden turning around a corner and boom, literally almost crashing into a <laughs> crashing into a hovering flying saucer, which suddenly rapidly departs and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, leaving apparent physical evidence investigated by the Ministry of Defence. You know, completely bizarre stuff. Um, but then at the same time, also I know people who have who believe they have actually uh, manifested. Uh, UFOs into into existence in 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 a, in a given moment um, through through uh, intense focus and uh, you know sim simply through the act of of intent and ritual. Right, um, well, laying your hands on the doctor that that's one that that supposedly has real good uh, real, a real good track record. Well, yeah, I mean, and so I, I don't know. It's just I, the. As I say, the, what, I mean, what we do in this book is we don't conclude, and um, and that's what Diana Pasulka notes in the in the introduction. You know, shows the value of this is that is that the the contributors are astutely aware that um, of the value of not concluding. You know, of bracketing the the notion the question of what it is and looking at the, instead at the effects, the societal and cultural effects of the phenomenon, whatever it represents, whether it's societal, cultural, or, or physical or all of those, what we can measure is the societal and cultural effects. And by studying that, we might actually learn more about the phenomenon itself. Yeah. I, and this overlays perfectly into the cattle mutilation realm in my last book, which is exactly what I did. I presented all the data, all the theories, 
and then kind of left it up for the reader to uh, stop scratching their head and and come down on you know on on some side of the argument uh, to some conclusion. And, and I think that's the the best way to get people to think because if you don't hand feed them a particular conclusion and you give them all sorts of tantalizing information and and data. Uh, to help them come to a conclusion, I think it's infinitely more inspiring uh, to not give the conclusion and allow all the the data and the perspective to to uh, create one in the reader. Um, in this case, we've got more to come with Gene, Chris, Robert, and Robbie. You're in the Paracast. <laughs> are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. We also have swag. You know, we have all these exclusive Paracast things that you can buy. We've got like, I guess, 60 or so different items and entails t-shirts, sleeves for notebook computers, iPad cases, mouse pads, the Paracast jumbo tote bag, all sorts of t-shirts and jackets and stuff like that for men and women. We have a Paracast aluminum water bottle. All this stuff, you go to store.theparacast.com, store.theparacast.com. What makes it special is that the items are the best quality, you know, great t-shirts, fabrics, and they have our official logo on them. That's what makes them special in multiple sizes and colors. We even have stuff for children. Stuff for women, stuff for men. We have all sorts of sizes, like small up to X large. A lot of good stuff. That's the swag from the Paracast. If you go to store.theparacast.com, stop by and take a shopping tour. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but soon you'll need a plan and place to survive. Forget bunkers. You're not a live underground gopher. You need survivalist camps, the ultimate fully functional off-the-grid mobile survival bug outhouse that's well-equipped and custom-built to outlast any other RV or trailer. Bold statement, you bet. See them now at survivalistcamps.com. That's survivalistcamps.com. Trust your family's survival to survivalistcamps.com. Kiss your credit card debt goodbye. I'm Pharmacist Keith, Dr. Wallach, the Dead Doctors Don't Lie guy, and myself want to show you how to achieve financial peace, creating an extra income that will last for years to come by joining Dr. Wallach's crusade, spreading his message of better health. To learn more, visit radio.recordedvideo.com. That's radio.recordedvideo.com, radio.recordedvideo.com, or call 866-257-3105 for a recorded message. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. You know, it comes to mind as you talk about that, Chris, something that our former co-host mentioned on the air, where he was giving a brief talk about UFOs before a MUFON meeting. In New York State. And he got into all these fine details. And somebody said, can you give me the Reader's Digest version? They wanted simple. They wanted a conclusion. Many, many years ago, and I haven't done that many lectures, but I've done a few. 
I was giving a lecture before a group in Atlanta, a group of which Alan Greenfield was one of the sponsors. And I gave a presentation of the evidence that favored something going on. These are sightings that cry out for an explanation. Now, remember, I was a lot younger then. I didn't have all the arguments intact. But they kept asking, what's the answer? What's the conclusion? I got to know. They wanted an answer, and the people who give them an answer, a simple answer, are the ones who they'll pay attention to. They won't pay attention to me if I'm saying, we don't know what it is, we've got a phenomenon going on. This is how they want to be spoon-fed. Well, that's that's the appeal of the disclosure movement, of course, because it's it's a narrative that has a clear-cut ending, and the ending is disclosure of ultimate cosmic secrets, which fundamentally and quickly change the world and and that's that's we you know so so that's that's easy to package and it's easy to kind of digest and uh, and it's very very appealing but what's the ending narratively to <laughs> to to what we're presenting in this book and to what you know other people have presented before us along similar lines uh, well there is no definitive ending to it and people don't like that People like things to be narrativized and, and digestible and understandable, and, and, uh, and we like conclusions. And we don't offer any, uh, but I think it, there's value in, in letting go of, of the need for conclusions, I think, when it comes to something like this and just being open to possibilities. And that's where Greg Bishop also, you know, advocates that notion is in Sue Demeter St. Clair as well says, you know, ask, ask more questions, ask more interesting questions, be more curious about it. Uh, Greg uh, does a great advocacy piece for the, the Greek philosophy of Pyrrhonism. Remain in a state of perpetual inquiry as we cannot be certain what new evidence will turn up in the future. So stay tentative and continue the inquiry. Peronians question, accepted knowledge, and identify dogmatism as a disease of the mind. And I would say ufology has had a disease of the mind for a great number of decades, <laughs> and that needs to be pushed away. And if we're going to push it away, then we have to be open to, as Valet says, you know, stop bringing ideology to the table. You know, as somebody who was once, you know, a great proponent of ATH and then since came and piled on a whole bunch of other theoretical avenues, he's now telling us, let's get rid of ideology. Let's just start asking interesting questions of it and see what else can be learned from the witness experience. Uh, If we've got a lot of data, which we do, you know, maybe we can do something with all of that and some sifting. And and that's, you know, Valet's baby as well, too. But Now, for the rest of us, in terms of finding a new way of thinking about it, uh, we need to be open to saying, uh, I don't know the answer, and who knows what new things will come along in the future to give us better answers to it. So, let's just be patient uh, with our our approach and be creative and curious with it. Well, and be diligent, too, to make make sure that we're we're actually availing ourselves of all the wonderful thinking that's out there and all these wonderful sort of counterintuitive approaches to the subject matter. The the obvious ways have not worked. And, you know, we here at the Paracast, we, you know, we're real, <laughs> we sound like foghorns echoing in, in, in a foggy night by saying this constantly. The wheel is broken. It's fallen off the vehicle. It's all the way down the the ravine. Okay, seventy years, and we're 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 just we really are no <laughs> no closer to any definitive answers. We think we know more, but it's the more you know, the more confused you become. Basically, uh. so amount of knowledge does not equate um, you know some sort of 
of linear process towards a, a solution. And so we, we really need to become very circumspect and, 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 and pull back and, you know, entertain, entertain new thinking, entertain new ideas. And, uh, you know, perhaps then <laughs> the next generation will be able to like go, you know, it's probably a forest for the trees thing. It's probably so obvious that there's just no way that you can accidentally pick it up. So, you know, time will tell. Uh, it's just very exciting. And I'm, I'm really gratified to see books like this. Go ahead. Oh, um, so, yeah, to go along with what Chris is saying, uh, you know, we have to be available to looking at things from very, very altered perspectives. And when we think about the nature of the, the UFO experience, um, you know, I describe it as Ultima Thule, that, that place that's beyond, uh, you know, borders, that place on the map where, where monsters are and, and you're heading into uncharted territory. And, and I think when we think of how surreal the UFO witness story is, it really is about uncharted territory. And it, that theme gets echoed in the text. Uh, Benias talks about, you know, we need to head into a land which is not yet to be trod. We need to head to Terra Obscura. And Mike Clellan talks about, you know, the land of, of the owls. And, and I talk about Ultima Thule. And I think that um, the, we don't really have a map for the territory of the UFO. It is an extremely complex subject matter. It's not a simplistic piece that we can just fit into a box. Um, so I think that means we need to bring a certain degree of complexity to it as well. And we should be prepared to head into uncharted territory, both in terms of thinking and in acknowledging what the true nature of the experience is. Robbie? I, I I can only leave it really with what Robert has so eloqu eloquently expressed there. Um, you know that, that that and I'm not going to try and top what he's just <laughs> what he's just said. That's it really. The, you know we are the, the book attempts to uh, I suppose set course for that uncharted territory, but we recognise that we're that, that we that we can't actually um, effectively approach it yet. But uh, we're at least trying, and I think it's important to try. Do you think we'll ever get an answer or we'll be in the second round of trying to find new thoughts? I, I, this, someone asked me this recently, um, will we ever get an answer to the UFO riddle? I, I think that, I would like to think that probably we will if we survive long enough as a species. Um, because I don't think that anything's, I think that most things will be within our, Within our reach of understanding, if we, you know, given enough time, um, but but I think we're so primitive, we're so young right now. We, you know, we like to think of ourselves as, as, mm -hmm. as the pinnacle, but we, you know, we're, we're so young and so primitive. Um, uh, Chris said we were just basically evolved ape, which apes, which is of course exactly what we are, um, and and so I think we're a, we're a good ways away of of truly understanding what underlies UFOs and related phenomena. Are they forever beyond our reach? Probably not. Um, are they beyond our reach within my lifetime? Probably so. Yeah, I think that for myself, when I think about it, that it is so beyond the capacities of our biology, I doubt we'll ever come to a great appreciation of what that external stimulus actually is, if there is one that's there. Um, but I do think that if we take time to actually bring real science to what we've got left, which is the UFO witness, that if there could be some energies invested into who in fact are the people that see what they see, 
Um, and if we could actually define a cohort uh, through like real legitimate, you know, sociological study, uh, I would be fascinated to to understand that that part of it. That is, there's something about the the nature of the individual or what's taking place in their life that causes the experience to to unfold, or is it in fact an entirely random? stimulus piece that for whatever reason people see sometimes uh and and if that's the case i I think it'll always be beyond our our grasp as to to what it is it seems to defy our science quite readily (laughs) all the time and and it doesn't leave us any ability or capacity to use science to measure it in any meaningful manner except for after the fact so i think we need to focus on the witness piece and see what kind of traction we can get from that i have some questions here from william strathman from the forums that i want to drop in our next segment. Okay, guys? So we have Gene and Chris and Robert and Robbie. You're in the Paracast. Neighbors, I want to tell you about my favorite graphics app. It's the award-winning Graphic Converter. You know, Graphic Converter is the universal genius for photo editing on your Mac. Join over one and a half million loyal users for this Swiss Army Knife photo editing app. It gives you all you expect from a top-flight image editing app with tons of features. And most important, it's easy to use. It's also far less expensive than that other app that you can only get by subscription. You know, the one I'm talking about. What's more, you can get 20% off with your order right now. So write this down to learn about Graphic Converter. Go to www.lemkesoft.de slash gene. Let me spell that. www.lemkesoft.de slash gene. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow. And like all of you out there, I had problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat. I would flip-flop all night long. I would wake up with a sore neck, maybe a headache, or feel like I needed a nap even though I slept eight hours. When I invented my pillow, I wanted it to where you could move the patented fill to give you the exact support you need as an individual, regardless of sleep position. My pillow will get you into that deep REM sleep faster and you will stay there longer. It's not about how much time we spend in bed. It's about how much of that quality sleep we get. I do all of my own manufacturing right here in the United States. I have a 10-year warranty. You can wash and dry my pillow, and I give you a 60-day money-back guarantee so you have nothing to lose. And here's my best offer ever. You can buy one of my pillows and get one absolutely free. Go to MyPillow.com or call 800-870-0305 and use promo code GCN. That's MyPillow.com or 800-870-0305 with promo code GCN. cell phones against our heads every day. But now, a landmark U.S. government study confirms increased health risks from exposure to EMF radiation emitted from these devices. The time to protect yourself is now. The solution is Defender Shield. Proudly made in the USA, Defender Shield blocks virtually 100% of EMF radiation emitted from cell phones, tablets, and laptops. Buy now at DefenderShield.com. Use discount code DEFENDER for 10% off. DefenderShield.com, the worldwide leader in EMF radiation protection. Hi, Peter Vaccaro for ParanormalDate.com. Are you looking for love in all the wrong places? Now you have a chance to change that by signing up for free at ParanormalDate.com. This incredible dating site puts people of like minds together. 
People who are interested in the strange, the unusual, mysteries, ghosts, UFOs, and the afterlife, and so much more. ParanormalDate.com was developed for you, people seeking a viable alternative to the other dating services. You can join for free by going to ParanormalDate.com, and if you decide you like it and want to connect with people, use the code GEORGE for a substantial discount. Mark Rawlings, president of ParanormalDate.com, says so many people hunger to share their experiences about the paranormal, the unexplainable, or the afterlife, and so much more, and this is the source for them to meet and share that common interest. So sign up for free at ParanormalDate.com, ParanormalDate.com, and use the code GEORGE if you decide to connect with someone you like. Ralph, remember when you said you were going to start paying more attention to your health and now you're eating potato chips? Just a few. A few, okay, but you should be eating Superberries Aronia Berries. Aronia what? Aronia Berries from Superberries.com. They're known for having one of the highest levels of antioxidants that helps with overall wellness. Go to Superberries.com slash radio. And right now we get a free smoothie recipe book with our order. Plus we can save $4 at checkout. Wow, look at all the benefits of these berries. I know, Ralph, I know. Choose health. Eat purple. Superberries.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. On the Paracast, we're exploring this new book, UFOs Refreshing the Debate. The editor, Robbie Graham, is here, one of the authors, Robert Brandstetter. Let me tell you, first of all, that we've got something special we're cooking up for after the Paracast. All right. So I mentioned before that we wanted to have Red Pill Junkie join us on this show. And unfortunately, his work schedule intervened. But he is available for a recording session for after the Paracast. So if all things work out on the accompanying episode of After the Paracast, you will hear from Red Pill Junkie. And to listen to that show, you got to be a subscriber to the Paracast Plus. Go to plus.theparacast.com. That's plus.theparacast.com. And we also give you a commercial-free version of this show for a low subscription rate starting at $1.49 a week. And if you go for five years or lifetime, we actually have free books, printed books and eBooks, really Marvelous. Chris, do you want to take a look at those questions from William Strathman? Okay, yeah, there's a bunch. Okay, uh, first one for Robbie. Um, Again, this comes from William Strathman. He pretty much shows up when we have interesting guests on the show, and he's one of the few uh, foreign posters that has more likes than he has posts. And he's wondering, Robbie, how did you come up with the idea to ask for essays from this wide variety of contributors? I think it did arise out of mine and, well, initially mine and then I suppose the, the, the collective contributors' frustration that what people call ufology is, you know, frankly broken and, and was never really fully assembled in the first place. And I, and I wanted to put a book together that would, um, that would lay bare the problems that, that have long faced the UFO study field and then crucially seek to provide remedies and solutions um, so that we can move forward on this clearer path. But uh, the book, I suppose, it was also it was also put together at the suggestion, or at least a volume was put to, together at the suggestion of my editor. I'd written Silver Screen Sources a couple of years ago, and my editor at White Crow Books 
and my publisher rather at White Crow Books um, suggested that I might do a, a, an edited volume on UFOs. Um, but, you know, he sort of said, well, what would your angle be? And I thought, well, you know, I've been sort of kicking around this idea of maybe doing something that would be critical and uh, present alternative perspectives. And, and then so I, I just started to put together a list of who struck me as being particularly forward-thinking, progressive, iconoclastic in this field and at the edges of the field. And I started to approach people with a, a brief, with, a, with an outline for an idea of what would become UFOs reframing the debate. I think I had the title from the very beginning. And I approached uh, you know, a good number of people and, and almost all of them jumped on board with it very enthusiastically so and, and it all came together very very quickly well, I say quickly it took a year but that's quite quick um, and and so yeah, yeah relatively smooth and, and everyone was incredibly enthusiastic about it and I'm really blown away by how much of themselves everyone's thrown, thrown into this Well you mentioned almost everybody took you up on it. Uh, another question from uh, Mr. Strathman is uh, who, who turned you down? And you can name names, it's okay I, I would rather not because uh, because <laughs> give, us, uh, give us a bunch of hints. <laughs> big, big, there are a couple of very, very, very big names who are colleagues of mine who I have huge respect for, who turned me down simply. One one of them turned me down because he was simply just too busy. He's an he's a full time academic, and his schedule wouldn't allow for it. He he just. He, he, a lot of people are demanding a lot of things from him all the time, and he just sort of was very honest with me and said, "I think this sounds like a great project." He said, "He said I think it's going to be a classic, but I, I just um, I, I don't have the time to do it at the moment, and I just have to kind of draw a line and say I can't do it." So I respected that and I thanked him anyway. Um, and the other one is a guy who is a very big name, and he he declined respectfully, and again very enthusiastic about about the project. Um, uh, but he 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 is. He said he was taking a step, a huge step away from the field, um, and didn't uh, didn't really want to be. Uh, I think out there at this point with this kind of project, I think he just wanted to sort of go go into um, stealth mode, shall we say? <laughs> the mind wanders. Uh, I, I can think of a number of people that would fit into that particular description, but. Did you have a, in your mind um, a certain variety of people or a certain variety of of opinion uh, that you wanted to sort of have a for a well-rounded focus for the book, or or did you just kind of uh, go with your intuition and say, well, this one, this one, this one, this one, and just allow them to come up with with? It? In other words, how much did you steer the project? Oh well, I mean, yeah, I steered it. From the beginning, I mean, it's 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 very much, you know, it's it's. I've worked on this every day, literally every day, for the past year, um, and uh, so it's been a, it's been hugely time consuming and and uh, and all of that. It's but but it's been less stressful, I would say, than than the last book I wrote because the last one was, you know, I wrote all the content whereas this is this right. is written this is written by other people but this is still a huge challenge in the sense that you're still having to ed edit everyone's work you're still having to um uh, uh you're still having to, some people submitted stuff um which ultimately i had to um decline for inclusion in the book because it wasn't suitable um and so you have to make those decisions as well and, and it's just constant correspondence every single day with 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 
uh, up to 20 people and ultimately down to sort of 14, 15 people who, who contributed to the book for, for a year. So it's just been hugely time consuming. Um, deciding on how to structure the book, um, editing the individual essays, um, you know, doing all of the end, all of the end notes, uh, everything. It's, it's been a, uh, yeah, it's been a, it's, it's a big prop uh, process. It's been a big project. Yeah. It's yeah. been a big pro- process, but, but, um, yeah. And then it's, it's sort of how to frame the whole thing and, and what I want to achieve with it. But, you know, Greg Bishop played a huge role as well, um, as basically a sub editor on, on, you know, Greg was one of the, was one of the people who I had from the, from towards the beginning. And, uh, I sort of bounced a lot of ideas off Greg, um, from the outset and Greg would make recommendations and, um, uh, about certain contributors as well, um, I would ask Greg, you know, who, who would you recommend and things like that. And I had peop- most of the contributors in mind from the outset. Um, anyone who, I, anyone whose work I would see, particularly who were even commenting online in forums and things like that, who who were expressing ideas that were, um, uh, that were, <laughs> shall we say, different um, and, and articulate, then I would have them in mind and then I would sort of research people and think well do I know enough about you and and because you also have to make the decisions on whether you can work with people as well it's not just it's not just about whether their work is great it's about whether or not you can actually work with them and whether they are suitable to to to, to you know to devote a year of their lives to to something like this on and off um uh, you know because there's also the element of ego um Involved and and I'm, I'm delighted to say that uh, that I haven't had to encounter that, you know, which is quite an achievement with 14 people. <laughs> we got uh, more to come with Robbie Gray, and of course Robert Brandstetter, Gene, and Chris. You're in the Paracast. <laughs> Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Fully cooked, ready to eat bacon. I'm talking thick, meaty, center cut, presidential bacon. Savory and delicious. I buy some, I use some, I store some. Awesome. No refrigeration needed with a 10-year shelf life. NASA pack technology. Bacon. Fully cooked, fully hydrated, ready to eat right from the pack bacon. Or warm and served. Life-saving, ready to eat bacon. 10-year shelf life bacon. Ships free at FullyCookedBacon.com. FullyCookedBacon.com. In these uncertain times, it makes sense to have a sustainable backup method to cook food and boil water. If your current plan includes using a fuel-burning stove or cooking over an open fire, then there's a much better way. The Minuteman Rocket Stove is a biomass-burning cooking stove that only requires small quantities of sticks and twigs for fuel. The Minuteman Stove is easy to use, smokeless, portable, powerful, and sustainable. For the finest in survival cooking stoves and fire starters made right here in the USA, go to MinutemanStove.com. That's MinutemanStove.com. Don't become dependent on the medical system. Get and stay healthy naturally with Extendivite. Metals in the liver cause peroxides to get dumped into the bloodstream. Peroxides do more damage than free radicals to the arteries, and the LDL has no protection from peroxides, causing the LDL to get stuck in the arteries, creating a potential blockage. Extendivite slowly chelates the metals away from the liver so it can dispose of what was meant to be a harmless process Peroxide. Extendivite 7 Herbs has a job to strengthen the organs and circulatory highway. Can you afford a heart attack? Extendivite is available in capsule or liquid form for just $69.95 for a two-month supply. 
To get started, call 1-877-928-8822. That's 1-877-928-8822. Or visit heartdrop.com. Extend your life with ExtendoVite. BuySellMakeOffer.com is better than ever. I'm Pat Matthews here to tell you that BuySellMakeOffer.com, the revolutionary site for buying and selling anything and everything, just up the ante. Go right now to BuySellMakeOffer.com and click the Sign Me Up button. When you do, you'll get the first month free, and then it's just $9.95 a month to be a member forever. And you don't need a credit card for the initial setup. Create your own store on the site and sell whatever you want, as long as it's legal, however you want, and sell an unlimited number of items. Create your own intro video to describe what your store is all about. Use Skype to see who you're buying from or selling to. Sell unused household items, as well as antiques, cars, televisions, collectibles, real estate. The possibilities are unlimited. Use social networks to promote your store right from our site. Remember, there are never any fees, no matter how much you sell. Become a member today. I'm a member. Get all your friends to sign up, too. This could become a great business for you. Sell whatever you want for the first 30 days, free, at buysellmakeoffer.com. Homeowners have much more to worry about than just making their mortgage payment. One of our biggest expenses can be when unexpected repair bills hit us at home. Can you afford to repair or replace your home heating system? What about when your air conditioning stops working this summer? Or worse, a major plumbing problem or large appliance that just stops working? Well, with National Home, you can say goodbye to repair bills. That's right. If you own a home, you could stop paying for these costly repairs. Best of all, call now to get your home protected and one month of repair coverage for free. Just call 800-887-3022. Simply call our 24-7 repair hotline and pay nothing for covered repairs. Get total protection for your home's major appliances and systems so you have no more costly repair bills. Just call 800-887-3022 and never pay for repairs again. Get your home protected against costly repair bills right now. Call 800-887-3022. That's 800-887-3022. 800-887-3022. Hello, this is John Burroughs, one of the witnesses to the Rendlesham UFO incident. You're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Oh, he's getting getting more excitable by the second there. Sounded like Nick. A little bit there. We have to add the accent, that's all. Chris, you've got, what, he has like six, seven more questions? Yeah, uh, those were uh, I think three questions that we asked for Robbie. Now here's here's a couple of, uh, for for you, Robert. He's wondering if unresolved human trauma could be the main source for the UFO experience, based on your work, uh, extensive work with 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 trauma victims and 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 in in the realm of uh, the traumatic experience. You know, it's, it's a theme that repeats, like a number of different essayists uh, bring that concept forward. Rakowski uh, does that. Greg Bishop does that. I do that. Uh, many people talk about the nature of trauma. Mike Clellan calls uh, being an abductee is the trauma of enlightenment, which I've got, you know, my own kind of thoughts about that concept. But I don't want to say it's the main source, but it, there does seem to be some correlation between those who experience very unique phenomena, especially these close encounter cases. And I cite, you know, the Dale Spar Port. County, uh, Ohio cases, like a significant example of an individual 
individual who was perhaps deconstructing prior to the event, um, and that while the aftermath of the event seems to bring a significant degree of trauma to individuals who identify within the territory of close encounter cases or define themselves as abductees, uh, I would not say trauma is the source, but it's the aftermath without question. And I do think there is a question that's until we can actually define a good cohort, but it would not surprise me to know that a great number of people who experience these close encounter cases are individuals who are also having other deconstructions taking place in their own life, be they emotional yeah, trauma, yeah. family trauma, abuse, etc. And, and Rakowski uh, hits upon that in his abduction uh, text as well. And, and I think it's an important consideration that mental health uh, does play perhaps a role in some of these experiences. Well, having said that, and, and I, I totally agree that uh, trauma is, you know, one of the main sort of building blocks emotionally for dealing with these types of experiences. How about the, the type of experience that is accepted by the experiencer as being totally positive? It's like mm-hmm. they were given the mysteries of the universe. They were told the future of humanity. All those new age sort of benevolent space brother type images come to mind when I'm trying to describe this person. Sure. Inherently, though, Because the experience is so out of the norm, wouldn't this on some level be a traumatic experience? And how does that play into the positive space brother scenario in terms of the the individual actually experiencing deep trauma? Am I on the right uh, track there? Yeah, I think you're on a on a good track there, and I think it depends also, you know, what what's the the viewer or the witness bringing to the dance at that time. If what's on the front end of their ufological belief system is right. one that the space or just their life, where they are in their life That's process. Right. That's for sure. And I think, you know, Rakowski documents that in a number of his texts where he goes to visit witnesses who've had profound abductee uh, and then claiming contactee experiences. And then he starts taking a look around what are the books in the room and what do you know? This has been the narrative these people have been living for a very long time. I don't think we can deny that part. But also, you know, we know whenever we've had a very intense experience, uh, usually it goes, you know, one of three ways. Either you're totally traumatized by it or it becomes a point of ecstasy or it doesn't really move you or integrate you. Or you don't know what to do with it, and so you just file that away under, let's forget about that, and it doesn't play a role in your life anymore. So I suspect it has a lot to do with who that individual is at the time of the experience that defines how ecstatic or traumatic or forgotten it might be. Yeah, and and again, that brings up another tried and true uh, kind of theme that we've had here at the Paracast for a long time when it comes to MUFON and actual on-site investigation. The types of, of subject a matter that we're talking about is not addressed in any way, shape, or form in any sort of, you know, standardized MUFON model for an investigation and, and as, you know, ascertaining facts. I mean, I think it's so important, and you just brought up a really important fact. Walking through an experiencer or a witness's living room and just happening to look at the what kind of magazines they have, um, what kind of books they have in the bookshelf, This really is important because each experiencer is a complete sort of universe, if you will, and it has its own sort of front-loading and autonomy. And and that, I think, is going to color any sort of unusual experience that they have. Again, we're getting back into the whole realm of how do we ascertain the quality of consciousness? And I think that's a real important aspect to all this. how people actually perceive their reality. Anybody want to comment? You know, on some level, I think at the end of the day, all we've got is a collection of really unique stories 
some of them very surreal and absurdist in, in nature. I wonder if the most we can actually learn about the experience is to talk to the witness about who they were beforehand, what was happening in their life, you know, were things going wrong, things deconstructing, uh, or was everything fine and normal, and and to spend more time with them after the event and, and check in with them uh, continuously, and really engages in this concept of witness studies, that if we think that there's something that is a true external stimulus taking place, then wanting to study its impact on individuals and, and trying to look for patterns within that pool is at least something that's more solid to work with. And I think the other part, when you think about, you know, the very act of seeing something absolutely surreal and bizarre, we have no idea what the nature of brain chemistry is taking place inside an individual's mind uh, leading up to an extraordinary event, or how the amygdala might be firing and ca- causing different types of audio or visual hallucinations. Uh, these are common elements within the human brain space, and that's where it becomes an extremely complex event. Now, on one hand, you'd like to take the witness for granted and just say, oh, that's what they saw. But then on the other, you might want to recognize that every witness's event is their own virtual reality experience that's taking place inside their mind. And the amount of things that, you know, cultural, sociological, psychological that inform our everyday virtual reality that plays out is enormous. And when you throw something like the UFO experience inside of that, that's a lot to, to tease apart, I think. <laughs> yeah. What do you think, Robbie? I mean, where do you come down? Uh, you're going to have to repeat the, que- <laughs> the question. Well, well, basically, what we're talking about is how to differentiate between spin and the experience. Basically, everybody is coming to the table. You know, every contactee, every experiencer, every you know sighting witness is coming to the table with a complete unique set of front-loaded baggage. And it's the interpretive nature of that baggage through the wonderful manifestation of a conscious experience. That's where we then get people like you know myself or, or MUFON investigators or other investigators who go out and want to try to document what it was that happened. Every one of the witnesses is completely different from the next one. They all have certain basic uh, similarities in terms of a basic cultural cognition, that sort of thing. But everybody has their own spin on stuff. And so it's it, it's like trying to ascertain facts in a, a hall of mirrors uh, looking through a kaleidoscope. <laughs> yeah, Lack of a better interpretation or, or definition of the process. I mean, that's that's what it seems like sometimes to me. Looking at the actual individual experiencer you know, that witness, that person that, that has the experience, you have to really get to know that person and, and, and really understand their, their, their baggage, their front-loading and all that stuff to even hope to begin to come to some sort of, you know, possible definitive conclusions upon which to hang your hat, you know, in, in terms of what they saw, what they experienced. It's almost like you have to do a complete individual breakdown of of personality character you know wants wishes desires beliefs it it's really a lot more complicated <laughs> than uh you know your standard mufon questionnaire well my response would be the statement that you've just given basically <laughs> it's you know i completely agree i completely agree with what you've just said and with rob what robert's just said um the the but the I, I think it's incredibly important to to try and um, uh, really study an individual experience or an individual witness. I mean, I, I think he would probably be talking, uh, it would be more valuable to study close-up experiences or people who 
who, who you might con- consider an experiencer or an abductee, um, because I think someone in the book is it, uh, it may even be I think it may even be Greg or Robert who make a differentiation between um, you know the the, the close-up experience and a, and a you know in a typical kind of uh, no, uh, you know uh, uh, nocturnal light experience. Light in the sky, right? You know. Got one more segment with Robbie and Robert and Sheen and Chris. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. We also have swag. You know, we have all these exclusive Paracast things that you can buy. We've got like, I guess, 60 or so different items and entails T-shirts, sleeves for notebook computers, iPad cases, mouse pads, the Paracast Jumbo tote bag, all sorts of T-shirts and jackets and stuff like that for men and women. We have a Paracast aluminum water bottle. All this stuff, you go to store.theparacast.com, store.theparacast.com. What makes it special is that the items are the best quality, you know, great T-shirts, fabrics, and they have our official logo on them. That's what makes them special in multiple sizes and colors. We even have stuff for children, stuff for women, stuff for men. We have all sorts of sizes, like small up to X large. A lot of good stuff. That's the swag from the Paracast. If you go to store.theparacast.com, stop by and take a shopping tour. My husband says, you are what you eat. Not true, dear. I did my research. Actually, you are what you can absorb. So I didn't feel the vitamins and supplements I was taking were effective. I didn't feel any different. Then I switched to Protovite, a liquid multivitamin, mineral, and phytonutrient complex. And wow, you've got to see the video at TrueHealthFacts.com. That's TrueHealthFacts.com. Then call 502-410-3411. Protovite is nutrition you can feel. Protovite is nutrition that gets in. Fully cooked, ready-to-eat bacon. I'm talking thick, meaty, center-cut, presidential bacon. Savory and delicious. I buy some, I use some, I store some. Awesome. No refrigeration needed with a 10-year shelf life. NASA Pack technology. Bacon. Fully cooked, fully hydrated, ready-to-eat right from the pack bacon. Or warm and served. Life-saving, ready-to-eat bacon. 10-year shelf life bacon. Ships free at FullyCookedBacon.com. FullyCookedBacon.com. Water is the single most important thing your body needs, so you want to be sure it's the best for you and your family. Since 2005, thousands have depended on Berkey Purified Water. The Berkey Guy provides the lowest priced filtration systems in every size. For incredibly delicious water now and in an emergency, get to GoBerkey.com or call 877-886-3653. 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com. It's been said, any society is only three missed meals away from chaos. Those times may be near. Think about it. Our country faces multiple terrorist threats and aggressions from Russia and North Korea. Social unrest and violent marches yet again may lead to looting of stores and city shutdowns. And our crumbling infrastructure leaves our power grid vulnerable to long-term outages from a single cyber attack. When the chaos from any one of these threats arises, the government knows it can't provide during a widespread national emergency. That's why you need your own plan for self-reliance. That's where My Patriot Supply comes in. 
Get a four-week survival food supply for only $99. That includes breakfast, lunches, and dinners. Order online at preparewithgcn.com. $99 for four weeks of survival food that tastes like homemade cooking and lasts up to 25 years from My Patriot Supply. Get your kits today at preparewithgcn.com. Free shipping is included. Preparewithgcn.com. The answer to being in control of your own health care is freedom from insurance. Become part of a group of self-pay patients that come together to share in each other's medical expenses. Individual share amounts begin at $107 a month and $347 for families. Choose from three health sharing programs. Holistic treatments may be eligible for sharing. See guidelines. Discount programs available for dental, vision, and pharmacy. Go to libertyoncall.org. That's libertyoncall.org. This is Micah Hanks of the Grayling Report, and you're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. So the connectivity issues of Skype haven't been so bad. Chris got knocked off once, but it wasn't somebody gunning after him. It was the powers that be at Microsoft. Uh, I'm just, I'm so tired of it. You know, as soon as I, sure. I start rolling, boom, I'm off. Oh, yeah, well. Well, you know, it's. We dial. You know, we make in the, in the book, we make the, the distinction between these two different types of, of UFO event, the close up and the, and the distant being completely different animals, uh, perhaps representative of different kinds of phenomena, even. Very good point. So, so I think that a detailed study of an individual experiencer of a close-up event would be ext- potentially extremely valuable, but as you've indicated, extremely time-consuming, especially when applied to hundreds, thousands, or even millions of people <laughs> over over many years. And this reminds me of you know Robert saying that we need a sociological study, you know, an in-depth academic sociological study, and perhaps some can be gleaned over over a number of years. Perhaps indeed it could, but to get something like that in the works um, on that kind of scale, at uh, that kind of level, would require a legitimization of UFO study, which is just not on the horizon um, with the field as it currently is and, 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 and as it has been for a long, long time. Right, because so, we are sociology. ET believers. Remember, folks, we are ET believers. That's it's sociology that needs, needs to take the plunge, ultimately. Mm, yeah, yeah, I think so. One of the things I'd add is, you know, Greg says that the close encounter experience is information rich, that we should be studying these ones very closely because they are new human experiences, which he calls, you know, they're the frameworks without benchmarks. You know, these are things that nobody's got an example of this before in their life. And I think for me, the cases that are interesting then are, are cases where the person doesn't go on to become a contactee afterward uh, or continue to have sighting after sighting after sighting. Right. And I think the other cases that are interesting are any multi-witness case where you can kind of get at witnesses independently to describe what they saw and, and start to take a look at, you know, some comparison and contrasts about who are the people doing the seeing and how does that work up against what they saw. And, and maybe there's something to be learned inside of those differentiations, because certainly in a lot of the multi-witness cases, people do give different, you know, testimonies in terms of what they saw. There's generally the same thing there. But as Donald Hoffman says, there's no such thing as a public object. Everybody's going to see something unique yeah. and different on their own. And certainly in the case of something as heightened as a UFO experience and it's a close encounter sighting, you're going to see something probably vastly different than the person sitting right beside you. There's more skew. <laughs> yep, yep. Well, we've always been skewed up here, I'll tell you. 
All right. That certainly ended you know, this discussion. I'm, I'm not touching that one. I guess both the Robbies aren't either. <laughs> hey, Gene, you're sitting in the engineer's driver's seat. Just seems like every episode I get cut off right, right when I'm getting to my point. Well, you know what? If I could control <laughs> Skype and do that, I'd have a lot more power than I really do to make this happen. I have to think that you're out in the wilderness living in the middle of nowhere and that you have a working internet connection at all should yeah. be a miracle. Yeah, basically. Yeah, that's, that's, I think, an appropriate analysis. I'm, I'm in the hinterlands here. Yes, uh, we've been looking for hinters for a long time, or a hint of something, I'm not sure. Well, we got a hint of summer here. Let me see. Yeah, it's 98 degrees here at uh, 2.30, so that's not too bad. Okay, here it's 102, so it's barely any different. Yeah. I don't know why we're talking about this. Where do we go from here, Robbie, with this? Do we get a volume two together? And, and please invite me to contribute. I'm, I'm just champing at the bit. And I want you to get Alan Greenfield. Yeah, if I have considered that there might be a volume two, if if there is, it won't be for another couple of years um, at this point. But it's certainly conceivable that, that, that there might be, and maybe even a volume three, who knows. But if, if there is a volume two, then Chris, consider yourself invited. Um, Thank you. And, you know, this is, several people have sort of commented, you know, to me or oh, they'd have loved to have been involved in this and stuff. And um, I, I'd have loved to have, to have had more contributors, I think. Um, I think I just sort of cut it off at a certain point. We, we ended up with a book at around 300 pages. Well, exactly 300 pages, in fact. And I think that's a pretty good length for, for something as dense as this in terms of content. It's, a, it's, it's not an easy read. And certainly, uh, I'm, I, I would expand, I would probably try to push in new areas in, in volume two, if there were a volume two. And, and yeah, there's, I think there are enough people on my radar now to fill a volume two uh, and a volume three with another 14 contributors apiece or more. Um, but I think once we hit volume three, again, if, 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 then um, I think we're probably exhausted the amount of people who would be appropriate for this kind of work because i think there are very few people um sadly who uh i don't know maybe 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 i'll be proven wrong maybe there are far more people out there who who are um who are thinking along these lines and who who have the ability to be able to express this in uh in essay form and the and the commitment to do it um but the combination of all of those things is rare i think You'll notice, ladies and gentlemen, I did not lobby for myself. I won't do that. Okay? I will not enter into that at all. Okay? So just realize When that. was the last time you wrote anything significant about UFOs, Gene, outside of your newsletter? Outside of my newsletter? When I was writing for Caveat Tour magazine, I also wrote some articles for some newsstand ufo magazines back in the 70s and 80s okay all right so but i'm looking at an editorial i wrote about the state of the ufo field in 1971 and i could have written it yesterday (laughs) (laughs) i mean i'm looking i'll I'll read you the two two sentences you ready for this okay believe me i believe you (laughs) exactly Exactly. And as the mystery deepens, we find that some of them, talking about UFO researchers, have abandoned UFO investigation because of disillusionment or frustration 
I also said, we have some strong ideas on the subject, and these same ideas cause us to distrust many of the folks who purport to be experts on UFOs. Little that the so-called experts have done has contributed one iota to the solution of the UFO enigma. That was written in the spring of 1971. It could have been pulled from uh, an article yesterday. Right. Isn't that incredible? Listen, guys, we're just about out of time. Robbie Graham, please tell our listeners, if they want to know more about this book and the stuff you do, where can they check you out? Uh, You can find a lot of the material related to the book on my website, which is robbiegraham.uk. The book's available on Amazon and Barnes and & Noble and all of the other online bookstores in uh, paperback and Kindle. And so it's, it's out now. And, and uh, yeah, so my website, robbygraham.uk. One of our forum members just posted a message. He's already downloaded the Kindle version Excellent. of the book. That Thank fast, you. even before the episode was broadcast. Robert, do you have a site or anything we could... Uh, you know, I used to have to? a site and then I, I closed that one down. So I'm floating around. You can hit me on the on the Paracast forums if you ever want to message or ask any questions uh, there. But I'm trying to keep a semi-low profile. A lot of different things happening in life all at once. But this has been such a great treat to participate in and writing a piece for this book. And, and Robbie's been such a phenomenal editor and allowed me to push word limit things and stuff really kindly. So I, I hope people do take time to, to read the text. It's got some really interesting pieces in it we can find chris at ourstrangeplanet.com chris you've been a busy bee over there putting up lots of really good stuff yeah i have i've got lots of new articles in and i really want to um, re-emphasize the importance of this book um robbie robert uh greg everybody red pill junkie kurt this is a really important book i don't do this hardly ever but i do I, i really recommend this book and i urge you to go out and get it thanks so much yeah thanks chris I have it here. I've been reading chapters here and there, and I'll finish it. I will finish (laughs) this book. It's right in front of me. It's right in front of my eyes right now. You can also check out After the Powercast, our second radio show. Go to plus.thepowercast.com, plus.thepowercast.com. On the next episode, you'll be hearing from Red Pill Junkie, another contributor to this book. In addition to After the Powercast, we also give you the commercial-free version of this show and lots of other goodies And for five-year and lifetime memberships, we offer free print books. How about that? Plus.thepowercast.com. Prices start at just $1.49 a week. Our price, cheap. Robert Branstetter, Robbie Graham, thank you both for joining us on the Powercast. Thank you. Thank you. Featuring Gene Steinberg and Christopher O'Brien is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in The Paracast.